Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's edition, week 53 edition. I'm Matthew edition. I'm Judah edition. Thank you. I think we've done that. I feel like we did do that joke. Yep. Well, already. Uh, I only got the one. It's just the one joke. Oh, we've done this 52 other times also, so who cares? Yeah, no one's even listening to this. I'm confident. Even Ben. No one's listening to this. I don't. I can't imagine... I mean, Send sometimes mail. Ryan leaves a comment that suggests that he listened to it, but for all I know, he's skipping through. Send mail and let us know if you heard this. The code word is rutabaga. Cool. Okay. <clears throat> cut, smash cut to three weeks from now. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe, maybe as early as next week, but perhaps three weeks from now, I'm like, why did Ryan send... <laughs> just rutabaga. <laughs> just rutabaga. <laughs> yeah. Wild. It'll be a tough one. Yeah, okay, as usual, we got five of these effing episodes. Uh, also, we... Rutabag is not the real code word. We'll sneak the real code word in sometime in the middle of this. That's right. Um, We uh, we, we took an extra week. Yeah. Uh, and still, this was difficult. <laughs> it's still I tough. Think that, honestly, I think the extra week hurt. Because I so much did not want to get back into this. It felt nice not doing it. Yeah. It was nice not doing it, but we did it. Uh, normal rules apply. We're going to go uh, from the worst episode of week 52 to the best episode of week 52. Mm. Uh, so that means uh, this week a rare TOS start. Yeah. We watched The Ultimate Computer. Uh, this episode starts, and I feel like we had one of these not that long ago, where Kirk is mad. Yeah. And he's mad about having to do his job. Someone sent him, an, well, it might have been Tribbles. Was it Tribbles? He hated doing his job in they that got, one. Yeah, they got called to a starbase, and he wants to know why. Right. So Commodore Wesley beams over. By the way, they never named this space station. I found it super unsatisfying. Was it? That f- they couldn't throw far, a, far, just do a throwaway? Far space, starbase, Earhart? I mean, something, right? Yeah. Just say it's Starbase 118 or whatever. That's enough. Space Station L4. I don't care. But they just like... And then later in the episode, they say The Space Station. And I'm like, well, you should have named it. <laughs> That's right. Too lazy to name it. Uh, Commodore Wesley beams over. And he's got a top secret assignment for Enterprise. They're going to be the target in a war game that is designed to test... Super genius, boy genius computer man, Richard Daystrom's new M5 computer. Mm. And this computer is going to take the place of basically all of Kirk's crew that doesn't have to go on away missions. Yeah, it really will just be ferrying around the away team, won't it? Yeah, it's kind of like, this is, I guess this is uh, Daystrom's vision for the future, and he's got Starfleet to buy in on it. It's like an automated ship that carries an away team around. Hulking giant boy genius Daystrom. Um, so they're going to offboard all of Kirk's crew and put them in a secure area. 
I guess, even though doesn't seem like they know what the mission is. Yeah, so that's just quarantining the mi- the mission parameters. So yeah, enjoy your weekend in jail, guys. Yeah, that sounds great on the space station. Um, except for uh, twenty men, uh, which uh, Kirk protests is is just it's just not enough. You right. can't run the ship with twenty men. You know, in case something goes wrong with the computer. Sure. Right? That makes sense. Um, McCoy pipes up. He sure doesn't think much about a starship without a human crew. Because he's the curmudgeonly old man on the show. Well, he'll tell you all about how they do it in Dixieland. Right. Uh, But Daystrom insists that his machine is just about perfect and not a goddamn thing is going to go wrong. Although, Kirk does manage to get him to admit that uh, the M5 computer is the last of the M project and that uh, M's one through four all met with various kinds of disasters. Well, the, one of them's one of them's unstuck in time. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. They all uh, disappeared under mysterious circumstances or exploded. So, right. Um, Kirk uh, does, has a talk with McCoy where he, he doesn't, he doesn't like the prospect of being replaced. And he wonders if that's all it is, but he has some kind of intuition that something's wrong with the machine itself. Yeah, he does a lot in this, a lot of hand wringing in this episode about uh, is he just, uh, does he just fear change? Which is he just being kind of petty about it? It's very Star Trek Six of him, you know. Yeah, I guess so. He doesn't he figure all the stuff out in Star Trek Six? I mean, nobody rapes Valeris in this one. Well, someone's raping her somewhere. Probably, that's how she got that way. Probably the Romulan ambassador. That's my guess. Yeah, that makes me sad. That's right. Um, M five passes its first few checkouts. Uh, no issues, no problems. But Kirk is keeping its uh, its time and control strictly limited to these <laughs> tests in a way that everybody thinks he's being a little bit silly about. Right. Like, he shuts it down as soon as the test ends. He won't let it enter the next set of coordinates, even though everybody thinks it's not going to have a problem doing that, etc. So, even Spock comes over and he's like, hey man, <laughs> you don't look cool right now. The thing you're doing, it's, uh, it, it's not cool. What do you what do you think you're proving here? Yeah. When it's, uh, just let the thing do the thing, well, I'll go home. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Like, uh, it's not discussed at all, but Spock or McCoy should pull Kirk aside and go, look, there's like, there's a whole command branch of the Starfleet. At the end of the day, the admirals are not going to just go, yeah, it's computers now. Yeah, also, how long does he think this thing's going to take to, you know, like, be the new protocol right. on these ships? Like, it's going to be tomorrow, well, starting tomorrow. Like, they're going to retrofit his already 30-year-old ship instead of just start building new ships that operate this way. <laughs> right, also, how come no like, one goes you know, up to like him? A ship that doesn't have uh, quarters for 400 crew, maybe? Something like that? A ship that's made entirely to run on cassette tapes. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically. Um, hey, we do see... I didn't write it down, but there is, for the first time, we do see the computer spit a cassette tape out. <laughs> Finally, they got the eject button they've been waiting for. And it's like, oh, I guess there's just a stack of them in there? I don't know. It spit out one of the 400 that it's currently loaded up with. Um, how come no one goes up to Kirk at, while he's being a dick about this machine and goes, hey, you know, we got like 410 guys in jail right now, so... Can we so just... Maybe can we move this along? Can let's we just not? do what they want and move and move along home. <laughs> 
hey, that Starbase, uh, it's got one bar, and every time people drink in it, they get in a fight. So, like, let's <laughs> let's get back there. Yeah. Um. Okay. So they arrive at a Class M planet, and Kirk and the M five uh, separately come up with landing party recommendations. And M fives are a little different, right? It uh, it notes that one guy has some particular history with this planet deep in his background from even before he joined Starfleet. So mm-hmm. it's like when he was you know, uh, doing a survey for a mining company or whatever. That's a lo- that's I guess it's slightly embarrassing for Kirk because it's like that does make it seem like he was a better choice for the away team. Yeah, but the other guy does have more experience in general. But what's the real problem with its recommendation? Uh, it does not recommend sending down Kirk or, or McCoy. That's right. And why? Because it considers them non-essential personnel. And then music cue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But also during this, it starts to turn off non-essential systems all over the ship. Mm Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, it takes them a while for them to, like... In fact, I don't think they ever think, hey, it shouldn't be doing that. (laughs) I don't think they've been prepared at all for what it should be doing. So when it turns off deck four entirely, they just go, oh, all right, whatever. (laughs) I guess it does that. More deck four. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but it does start to draw a lot of power, and Spock is like, but why? Right. Why does it need more power all of a sudden? Yeah, this is like when my laptop has been sitting there with no one touching it for two hours, and I hear the fans suddenly fire up like crazy, and, and I like, go, who's mining Bitcoin on my laptop right <laughs> now? <laughs> what, uh, what are you doing over there? Because uh, no one's touching you, so why are you being so hey. loud? It's time for you to be asleep. <laughs> yeah, go to, go to sleep, please. Uh, Daystrom is pretty defensive about it. He's been defensive from the get-go, but it's it's kind of just getting worse. Yeah. But it's my baby! He's got the giant's voice. So now two other ships show up. Excalibur and Lexington. Ooh. The war games aren't scheduled yet, but Wesley calls and tells him, hey, it's an unscheduled drill. We want to see how M5 will react to this. Yeah. Doesn't seem like an amazing idea, but it doesn't <laughs> blow up in their face this time. M5 uh, basically just kicks their ass in a big simulated fight. Yeah, it's doing all these fucking high warp phaser maneuvers and shit. It's like it's like doing exactly what Star Trek ships never do when they fight. Like, it's moving around and shooting, <laughs> and shooting. from different angles and <laughs> yeah. so on. Trying to kill the opposition, yes. And at the end, everyone's like, well, that was actually, that was a lot better. That was a lot better than we can do. It's right. almost like having you give an order and then having one person execute it is incredibly slow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now you fly over here, and then you weapons man, you be ready, because we're going to be it's, over there soon. It's kind of like this whole paradigm is based on the age of sail, when <laughs> things happen so much more slowly. Yes. And also, there was no better way. Yeah, they didn't have the computers that they were uh, just eschewing. Uh, so it, it uh, beats ass, and the other ships leave. Uh, somehow Spock's mind is now made up and he no longer thinks M5 is a great idea. Like, he's sad about this thing now. Yeah, he was the last one to throw his hat into that side of the ring. But he finally is like, yeah, you know what? Fuck this. He gives no reasons. Oh, wrong. He cites loyalty, which a a robot could never have. That's right. The, he he does posit that a ship operates on loyalty to one man. That's right. Another universal constant brought to you by the Vulcans. Which is, A, 
fucking buck wild. Yeah. And, but B, exactly what he said when he had the spores in him. That's right. So we know that Spock operates on loyalty to one man. Yeah. That man is Jim Kirk. Absolutely. And his feelings about him are very confused. <laughs> yes. Yep. He he don't got the pawn far. So, like, maybe it's not sexual, but he fully loves James yeah, Kirk. But he is the last one to jump on. Everyone else on the crew that we have seen at this point has either given the computer or Daystrom a dirty look or said out loud that they do not believe in this machine. Uh, Commodore Wesley calls and sends a message congratulating the M5 and takes, like, a weird shot at Kirk, calling him Captain Dunsell, which... Uh, Spock explains after Kirk sadly leaves the bridge is a midshipman term for a, a part that does nothing in the <laughs> machine. So is this whole project, is this all a personal attack on Kirk because he, he fucked this Commodore's old lady or something? Uh, like, if it's that, it's extra sad. Do you know how in Parks and Rec, uh, Counselor Jeremy Jam at one point, even though he's just been like the worst dick the whole time, it's revealed that he thinks Leslie Nope is his best friend. Yes, and he makes her eggs Japanese style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this whole episode hinges on Kirk knowing that uh, Bob, that Commodore Bob Wesley, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, his name is Bob, uh, will show mercy because he knows he's just like such a great dude. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, but he did. He did hit you with that Captain Dunsell <laughs> remark pretty good. <laughs> yep. Anyway, I guess this is the episode where we learn that Kirk is not Halsey. Yes. Because he just slinks off the bridge real sad instead of stomping on his hat and whatever. Yeah, exactly. Correct. Yeah, no one has to get him in order. Um, McCoy goes down to his quarters and brings him some green liquor. But their party, it gets cut short because they they come across a large, slow-moving vessel. Turns out to be an automated ore freighter. Right. Named the Woden, which is pretty cool for an ore freighter. Yeah. Hey, uh, what do you want to call this uh, this piece of shit that just, like, hauls all rocks around? Something. Name it after the oldest god. Let's name it something super fucking good, right? Just, like, the goodest thing. Okay, you want to call it Odin? No. No, no, no. Do the W version. <laughs> it seems cooler. You mean If Out- we were in a black metal band. Odin? What do you mean? What W? Ah, whatever. Uh... Anyway, this ain't nothing, but for some reason, M5 goes to red alert. And the switch that's supposed to turn off the co- the computer control, M5's control, just don't work. It mm. just don't. It just don't work. And yeah. M5 destroys this ore freighter. So that's bad. Right. <clears throat> because A, people needed that ore probably. And B... There weren't any humans on the ship this time, but like mining and uh, and obviously ore. It seems to be the the central part of the economy of the twenty two hundreds. Yeah, everything is about mining and precious minerals that people need on various colony worlds. Sure, uh, <laughs> Devil in the Dark is about miners. Mm-hmm. Um, on Mud's women, they're visiting miners. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more. Don't worry. There's more. There, I'm sure there's more. We've got this ore freighter. Yeah. <clears throat> Honestly, it's 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 just mining and scientific expeditions gone wrong. That's, basically, that's it. So they go down to engineering. Kirk takes Daystrom down there to disengage the computer, but 
wouldn't you know it, old M5's got a force field up. Yeah. And it starts to draw power directly from the engines in a way that vaporizes an ensign and which is suspicious. Yeah, it should like maybe maybe it did it intentionally. It waits till he's walking right in the way and then it does. I it. mean Daystrom says it's not a deliberate murder. M5 just realized it needed more power and that ensign happened to be there, but it looks like murder. Yeah. Uh so Scotty goes to try and cut like a physical relay. But now there's a ticking clock because they're supposed to do the war games for real. And mm. now everyone on this ship thinks, oh, it's for sure going to actually kill these other ships now, right? Like, it beat them real bad in the simulation earlier, but now it just wiped out that freighter for no reason. Yeah. So it looks bad. And uh, this is where McCoy posts up his big theory. Uh, two things. Daystrom is protecting M5 like it's his child, but also... Also, he's got a psychological theory about Daystrom, which is this guy invented Duotronics, which all the Enterprise computers were based on when right. he was like, I don't know, 22. Sure. And um, he ain't done much since. <laughs> and McCoy's theory is that's got to be driving him crazy. Sure. So he really needs M5 to work. He needs it to be a big thing to prove he wasn't a one hit wonder. Well, he turns out to be right. And he's become unhinged. This is McCoy's theory. Mm-hmm. They fail to regain helm control. M5 got there, figured out what they were doing and got there first and just tricked them. So uh, while they're all standing around figuring out what to do, they finally... It's one of those things where Daystrom's been telling them all along what he did, but they finally decide to think about it for one second. Right. Uh, because Daystrom's been saying that he's taken the M5 is going to work because he's taken a whole new approach to computers. Yes. So finally, Kirk turns to him and says, what was that? Hey, the thing you've been trying to tell us. Right. I'm ready to listen. That's right. Say the rest of it now. And it turns out that what Daystrom did is he imprint, found a way to imprint human memory engrams on the circuits so it would think like a man. Great. It's cool, cool, cool. No one asks any follow-up questions. <laughs> yep. Four starships approach to start this war game, and the M5, as expected, just starts blasting on them. Yeah, the, the real the good facers. Kills like 65 people. Yeah. And uh, Kirk can watch on the screen, but has no ability to respond as Wesley uh, calls Starfleet and asks for permission to destroy the Enterprise. Yeah. Also, Wesley seems real hurt by this thing. And he's like, good is this because of that? Is it because I said that Dunsel thing? <laughs> he's like, what are you playing on, at? Kirk. What are you playing at, Kirk? Wesley is a slow thinker, and I don't think at any point in this episode does it occur to him that the computer has control and Kirk can't yes. get it back. Even though this is clearly an M5 drill, he is yeah. not at any point like, the M5 must have gone mad. You just hear him over and over again going, Kirk, what are you doing? No, and yeah, so he's like, I insulted Kirk, and now he's doing murders. <laughs> he's not bright, but he is compassionate. So at this point, uh, Kirk realizes that Daystrom used his own engrams to program M5 and says, well, then talk to it. And he talks to it and he is plainly unhinged. And he says all of the things McCoy said. (laughs) Yep. Anyway, McCoy McCoy nailed it so much that we actually don't need that earlier scene. Yes, that, because it's not used to predict anything. But as usual, they needed they needed to fill some time. They got they had some time to fill. The, the optical effects of having them shoot other ships were very expensive. So. That's right. 
Uh, Spock knocks Daystrom out with a dang old nerve pinch. The battle force gets permission to kill and turns around to attack. And, uh, and Kirk says, well, Daystrom uh, feels bad about what happened. And he just talked to it. What if now it feels bad? Daystrom didn't actually convince it. And we knocked him out halfway through. But let me give it a what try. If the computer feels bad now. Let me give it a try. Yeah. <clears throat> he talks the M5 into powering down in yeah, I'm going to say generously 30 seconds. It makes you wish he'd done it a long time ago before all those people had died. It's insane. It's like two seconds. Yeah, he's like, what's your goal? And he's like, my goal is to make the need for dying in space uh, obsolete. And he's like, but, but you've you're- done murder. <laughs> yeah, but you're murdering people. And it's like, what's oh, the no. penalty for murder? I have Death. done wrong. <laughs> um, So M5... Uh, powers down. M5 has decided it needs to be destroyed, but it's going to do suicide by cop? Yes, it is. Uh, so now Enterprise is just hanging there fucking helpless. It can't It can't just be like, Kirk, please destroy me after your ship is fine. It's like, no, we must all be blown up together. <laughs> all right, let's fucking, we'll warp out and then I'll give you, and then you can talk to them and be like, all right, sorry about that. It took us some time to disable a computer. <laughs> nope. We're all gonna die together here, <laughs> out in space. Me and uh, me and 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 my daddy, Richard Daystrom, and all of you people that I don't care about. He's my good me daddy. If my me daddy were a human and I was a computer, so um, Kirk does what he always does in this situation. He gets on the horn to tell the crew they're all gonna die. <laughs> He's done it before. <laughs> this he, is his move. I would argue he will do it again. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll come up again. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're thinking of a specific instance. There are only about 25 of these left, but <laughs> I, I, like you, I'm fairly confident we'll see this again. Yeah. No, he tells them their lives will buy the survival of a thousand of their fellows on the other three ships, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Uh, Scotty, meanwhile, hasn't just been sitting on his hands. He can give Kirk shields back, but uh, Kirk tells him, no, our move here is going to be to cut all power and hang here helpless. And as he predicted, because he loves Bob Wesley, hmm. uh, the attack is called off, even though it would be a real good trap. Yeah, doesn't one of them say that? Somebody says that. Yeah. Somebody's like, this could be an M5 trap, but, you know, we'll risk it. Although maybe uh, maybe Wesley knows something that they don't like. Well, he can't he can't go from hanging dead in space to killing us in no seconds. Like That's right. Just keep scanning him. Even if it's a trap, it's going to take him some, any, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode over. Yeah. What is this uh, episode about? It seems pretty clear. Advanced technology is here to take our jobs. (laughs) Advanced technology is also basically immoral, is what seems to be argued. Someone Mm. was was a real shit who wrote this, who was pissed off about robots taking jobs at a GM plant or something. Is that what was happening? I mean, something like that. First of all, they talk about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, Spock is the one particularly who gives it moral moral motivations or whatever, where it's, it's basically it's an immoral thing that is happening. And that what should really be happening is that men should, should be around to run things because they have what is called loyalty. And you're just yeah. like, what the fuck are we looking at here? For me, it was a one. Yeah, I was going to say, that can't have scored many points, because that is a very anti-Star Trek take. It's, it's anti-progress in every way, yes. Yeah. Um, 
so here I, I went a different way. So okay. they clearly they addressed what you're talking about. Yeah. But I felt like they addressed it and dismissed it. So there's this conversation where Kirk <laughs> talks about how they're all going to get automated out of a job, and McCoy's like, "Yeah, but you you think automation is a good thing when it's everyone else's job on the line." Yeah. All right. You you kind of got to suck it up when it's yours, right? Yeah. And then also Kirk's uh, Kirk's like. I mean, Daystrom's right. I can, I can do other stuff. Like particularly in a post scarcity economy. Yeah, you can do something else. It's not, it's not a big deal. Well, I mean, for one thing, you can take up mining. Tell the robots to do that too. So that means there's a couple of things going on here. One, this is a straight up. There are things man was not meant to know, which is dump. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's nothing. But he, I thought that there was something going on here. So. What I have as a take is an unhealthy focus on security can ultimately lead you to act immorally. So M5's motivation, as far as we can tell, is his self-defense. Okay. Um, He has to be talked into giving up on that idea of self-defense. Apparently, Daystrom imprinted it on him pretty strongly. Right. And it's Daystrom's attempt to protect his reputation that turns him into a raving loony. Sure. And Kirk and crew attempting to protect their jobs leads them to be shitty about a test. It's really not that much. The stakes aren't that high in that one. Right, right, right. But I think this is like don't hold on too tightly to what you have or you're going to crush it, right? That kind of a thing. Right. And I think that this is a lesson that we could have learned in the 60s. And if we had learned it as a people, it would have helped, say, let's say post 9-11. Sure. All right. Right. When we yep. went, oh, just let's say just a little crazy. And now we still we're kind of in a world where it's like, oh, yeah, all companies have access to all your data all the time. Anyway, Patriot Act. That's right. Yeah. Um. So I gave it as many as five points. All right. That's interesting. Yeah, we went different ways on that. Um, What did Ben do with it? Uh, Ben, uh, is, uh, man versus machine or what if Starfleet had developed the first self-driving car? Ah, and that was a three for him. And it's a three. He is a five on execution though. Uh, yeah, he says he's seen this before, but interesting opening camera angle coming in from the left of the set with Uhura and Spock in the background. Okay. He's seen it before now for sure. Yes. I wonder if there's any way to gauge how old an idea this was in, uh, well, I guess it must have already been in there because they talk about it in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another goddamn Commodore, now a crazy science guy. Yeah, again, Star Trek and scientists. It's a real it's a real hate relationship. Just yeah, hate. this time the Commodore's only sort of an asshole and impediment to Kirk. Yeah. This time it's much more hey look, scientists are jerks. As always. Yeah. I think if there's a if there is a scientist around, Commodore gets a backseat. That's right. And also Commodore was already behind civilian administrator. <laughs> That's right. We are sort of learning what the hierarchy for dicks on Star Trek is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh anyway, uh this guy Wesley started out as a dickhead, but by the end he was a good dude, etc. So Um oh, so he also brings up the main a main problem that I only have in my quick hitters is, well, now the computer is disabled, I thought 20 people couldn't run the ship. And as he oh. says, now they're down to 19. The answer is Kirk was lying. That's, yeah, Kirk, that's actually Kirk enough. Kirk was lying. Yeah. Turns out he can. <laughs> he just turned didn't... out basically Scotty and Spock alone can run the ship. Right. He was just, he didn't want to cooperate, which is why he was saying that stuff. Yeah. Um, what about for uh, for you? What was the execution on that? Uh, so first of all, I thought this one was better than most of the recent episodes. Okay. 
probably because there's not Nazis or gangsters or uh, the Yangs and the Cones. Right, yeah. Or shootout at the OK Corral or Romans versus Christians. Um, those two are still coming. Yeah. Uh, Daystrom telegraphs crazy from pretty early on. Yes, he does. And that means that the crew is real slow to pick up on it. Also, Starfleet seems to have decided that M5 was going to be a success before they even ran the trial or they wouldn't have pulled the crew. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like this was done in good faith. Yeah. That's it's true. kind of, they kind of Kaczynski'd it. And, and so what are they going to do So now? I guess they don't. They hadn't learned anything from it because they're still going to Kaczynski it again in another, in another 100 years. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, I thought the McCoy and Kirk automation walk and talk was decent. But I also thought that it was really hack for Kirk to computer to talk, talk the computer to death again. God, yeah. How many times? And now? he did it so easily this time that it was fully insulting. It may have been the easiest of all of his talk to deaths. Like he never spends a lot of time on it. No. I guess the setup to confuse Norman is quite a bit of time. Yeah. That one's planned out. People have lines. It is a, a very long play that they have clearly practiced. Yeah. Like, usually when he gets in there with Landry, he's just like, you're the one harming the planet. And then the computer's, I can't compute. And then it smoke comes out of it and it dies. But uh, this one was insulting. I gave it a four points for execution. Okay. Uh, let's see. Kirk, McCoy... And Scotty all seemed like emotional children um, in the first half of this episode. And because Spock initially wasn't, they hated him. But <laughs> don't worry, Spock's just as primitive and fragile as they are in the end. He comes yeah. around on hating this machine so much. Um, Wouldn't this episode have been like 50 times better as an exploration if this robot did a good job and Kirk had to come face to face with his weird old person fears? Always the thing I want out of Star Trek. Yeah, like, just make it do a good job, and then he's like, God, what are we going to do in this new world where these computers are so smart, and are people like me outdated, and stuff like that, you know? Or, or you know what? Uh, him or someone like him is eventually going to start creating a bunch of datas, and we have to figure out what we're going to do when that happens. <laughs> yeah, right? something like that. Our all-time top scoring episode so far, Measure of a Man. Yeah, like, try to tackle a thing. That's how you get points. Where Picard's project. not like, well, this is clearly a one-and-done. Yeah. Right. Uh, of course, Daystrom turns out to be a total weirdo without empathy, a science monster. Yeah. Um, Kirk beats the computer with a e very easily beatable logic puzzle once again. <laughs> and the only reason... For me, this didn't score lower is because of some of the cool stuff about war games and automated defense programs and, and neat stuff like that. For me, it's a three. Yeah. Uh, if you liked those aspects of it, did you score it higher in world building? Uh, let's see. Already yet another Constitution class ship. They turn out to be several of them. Uh, if, I, they didn't make a second model. I was going to say, I don't think they bothered to create another model until TNG. Or I guess until no, the movies. And they don't explain what happened 40 years ago. Where they started this new starship building program. Yeah. Right? Because the Constitution is not a new class of ship. No. No, it is not. Um, the M5 Multitronic unit created by Richard Daystrom. A big old fancy computer. War games. Uh, Spock is an A7 level computer expert. That's correct. That planet is Alpha Carinae 2. Um, uh, 
the planet they visit, but yeah. don't send an away team down to. The one where they just the, all the stuff happens above it. Um, got it. Like see, I actually liked seeing the exercise of choosing the landing personnel and why each person made their choices. I thought yep. that was kind of a neat exercise to see. Uh, the old duotronic system that the Enterprise uses now. Battle maneuvers occurring at warp speeds, uh, which I think happens in TOS a lot. Yeah. Uh, they haven't figured out the rules for it. I mean, even in TNG, you'll see torpedoes are fired at warp, but not phasers, but whatever. Uh, Finagle's Folly. Um, uh, unmanned Ore Freighter. The Nobel is still handed out, as is the Z Mag- Magne. Z Magnes Prize, yeah. Whatever it was. Uh, Einstein, Kazanga, Sitar of Vulcan. Okay. Uh, reading my notes. <laughs> uh, human engrams on a circuit. Any other Starship classes out there? I ask again. Uh, the computer obeys the rules of man and God. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Just wanted you to know that that happened. For me, it was a four. This is how. Uh, some of it was dumb and some of it was neat. Yeah, okay. Uh, this is, uh, so uh, Ben, who gave it a five, uh, let's see if he brought up anything else here that uh, that's interesting. Reaction time is important in the future of space fighting, etc. I think we already talked about that. Yeah. He says apparently the death penalty is super common now, but I think that that was actually a reflection of Daystrom's weird Old Testament religion that he somehow instilled in this computer. Yes, and I, not I also the, agree. Not that Starfleet still has the death penalty for shit, because as we've seen, generally the penalty for murder is erase your memory of your father. <laughs> That is and standard the only procedure. death penalty left on the books is visiting that planet. They've specifically said so. You're not allowed to go to that planet. It's the only death penalty. Yeah, I think that was more of a... Um, Kirk knew where that robot fell on that issue. He knew before yeah. he asked what it would say when he asked Yeah, that. exactly. He, he figured, well... I must obey the rules of man and God. He picked up on Daystrom saying that murder was against the laws of God and man. Right. And so he was like, ah, cool. I've got an angle. I know where to go with this one. It's just a I'm computer, call this everybody. Computer half breed. <laughs> Don't worry, I know how to handle these. It's one of those uh, Kirk's season one Riker in this one. I mean, he's not only at the end, right? But uh, because, like as I said, Daystrom uh, gave the audience several opportunities to know that he had done crime. That's right. Yep. Uh, I initially had this as the standard three, but after listening to you describe the, the some of the things I didn't actually write down, like about the war games, yeah, uh, I have bumped it all the way up to a five. Oh, wow. You got almost everything. Two things I wanted to point out. Apparently, there are geologists in the Merchant Marine. Yes. Right? He went on, this guy went on a geological survey in the Merchant Marine before he was in Starfleet. That's what it was. Yeah, I couldn't remember where he worked before. Yeah. Uh, this, I think, may be the only time we hear uh, Starfleet officers in training referred to as midshipmen. Right. For some reason, in TNG, they decide that they're cadets and that sticks. Yes. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, obviously, academia still sucks in the 23rd century. Because this guy's, like, the system McCoy describes is not noticeably different from now. Where yeah. he's like, publish a few papers, give a few lectures, but everyone's like, where's his next breakthrough? <laughs> yep. So. Yeah. They haven't uh, they haven't worked out a better system than that. Well, so again, I'm because, go... because we almost never hear anything about anybody who doesn't work in Starfleet. 
it is very hard to understand how any of the other systems work, including the academic system. Because yeah. the only college you ever hear about is not a research university. It is the Starfleet Academy. That's true. So, I mean, we're going to hear about <clears throat> another. Oh, I mean, Kent State, obviously. Kent State. Oh, Kent State. Kent but... State. We have heard about Kent State. <laughs> uh, and also in Enterprise, Stanford. Stanford and Cal do have a, p- a water polo match. It's water true. polo, yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, so five for you, five for me. Okay. Uh, Ben is a four on characterization. Okay. Uh, he he says, "How many times has McCoy prescribed booze?" The for some reason in TOS, the doctor is the keeper of the booze, and and he is f- fucking. Very happy to share that shit. Again, even the yeah. doctor in the cage is just like, hey, why don't you have a drink with me? I guess that's probably why Scotty keeps his hidden in that suit of armor. <laughs> so the doctor doesn't find it. Yeah. Because he keeps it all This is medicinal. Up. Like he's everyone gets their tot of grog every day. That's right. He comes by with a ladle. <laughs> he's just got a bucket and a ladle, but it's sorry and grog. Anyway. Here's yours for the day. Uh, basically, he says everyone's in their proper roles, but he only gives it a four. Yeah. Um, and I only gave it a three. Okay. I actually don't think it's the strength of this episode. So, number one, why is Kirk always so annoyed when he gets called somewhere? He he's almost Cisco like in his refusal to do his job. Like it's the only time anything happens to him is when Starfleet calls. The rest of the time, he's going around giving medical checkups to scientists. That's true. They are basically just errand runners. And yeah, the rest yeah. of the time, he's just fucking chicks at Christmas parties. And oh, that doesn't sound so bad. And then he's... he should be like, all right, it's on. We got a call. Yeah. I did not feel like Spock's turn after the first uh, war game mm-hmm. made sense. Like, is it because he sat for his friend Jim? He, obviously. Okay. He was earlier, too. He just... It was hard for him to get to the place where he could say it out loud, but... I guess so. He gets there. Uh, And then McCoy didn't have a lot to do in this one, especially since Daystrom just confirms that it's exactly what he said. And they didn't take any action before that, so it's like... I don't know. I didn't think that much character work was done here. All of the minor characters get one line, maybe. Yeah. So... Uh, I gave it a three. There's a lot of uh, Chekhov looking at his instruments and um, kind of shrugging his shoulders. Yep, not care. Uh, he does. He does actually. There is. He does have a facial expression <laughs> when he hears the word Dunsel. So it's clear that he knows what it means. Does he wince or something? Yeah, he gives a little <laughs> wince. Uh, it was a three for me as well. Uh, again, Spock's an A7 computer expert. Lots of weird dogma out of the blue from Spock about he will how he will never serve a machine, even if there's <laughs> yeah. a fire, and how what the computer doesn't do so good is loyalty, and all of that shit that we already talked about. Uh, I also liked Spock pointing out that uh, whatever McCoy was talking about uh, was not fascinating, but it was certainly interesting. Yes. Um... What a surprise, McCoy doesn't like the automated starship idea, makes some remarks about Spock being a robot, too. In that hallway, he gives Kirk some after-school special advice about asking James T. Kirk about his feelings. He's a pretty honest guy. Yeah, that was a little hack. like, whoa, he's like, hey, champ, what's wrong? Hey, buddy. (laughs) Well, I know someone who's a pretty good guy. 
It's you, buddy. His name is you. Um, Kirk, nervous about maybe losing his command, but plays along. Um, there are certain things men must do to remain men. Your computer will take that away. What? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what, you mean like flying a starship? What do you mean? There are certain things men must do to remain men. Your computer will take that away. That is yeah. wild. You kind of got to ramble on, basically. <laughs> you guys time to ramble. Uh, it's because it's summertime. It's summer wild oats. <laughs> like, uh, how how will I fuck 20-year-olds who don't know any better? Yeah. Was... If I'm just a civilian somewhere. That's right. Um, he, uh, he got a red alert somewhere around his skull area. He pointed it out. <laughs> He did. (laughs) He's tapping his skull saying he was getting a red alert. Uh, Surprise, he yearns for the olden days when you were the master of a tall ship and you could kill a man for bad manners and bury him at sea, I'm I'm sure. But it was your ship. That's right. Kirk's paradise that he envisions here does not account for the 409 men Mm. who are not the captain of that ship. That seems to be it. (laughs) Of whom probably 405 never will be. That's right. Yeah, the captain of a ship. We know Sulu and, and Spock become captains. I don't know. Does Spock ever command his own ship, though, except for when someone else is indisposed? I don't know. Hard to say. Uh, it's not clear. Uh, Scotty eventually reaches the rank of captain, but I don't think he ever commands a ship. Right. Um, Scotty hates the computer, too. Yeah, it was a three for me. They were just all kind of reactionary babies, is what it seemed. <laughs> kind of. Um... What about quick hitters? Uh, yeah, uh, why not have the crew there on the ship in case the computer goes whoopsie, Mr. Commodore? I know it's impossible that anything will happen to this great computer, but still, just in case. Um, they made the famous scientist a black guy, which doesn't sound like it's worth pointing out, except it was the 60s. Yep. But Gene will drink from the toilet like a dog before he'd make the great scientist a woman. That's correct, yeah. Um... Uh, I know they just don't have the temperament for it. They do not at all. For one thing, they'd fall in love with Kirk, and then the whole mission would be uh, compromised. Um, I know that computer turning on in that room wasn't super fancy, but it was so much flashier than their normal switches and cassette tapes. Whatever that, that computer true. screen looked like, it had that uh, circular, cloudy thing that looks like it looks like uh, it should come on a flat two by two panel in an Mtron set. <laughs> Yeah, exactly correct. Yes, yeah, like a little sticker on a, on yeah, the side of a Lego. It's like they've got that Visa hologram logo technology <laughs> now in Legos. The, where they put it on this, but by now, I mean in the mid eighties. Yeah, where they put it on there, and you know, it's on the uh, d- deep canyon excavator or whatever. Right. Um, boy, I could not have been less surprised when it came alive and became a killing machine. That computer. Yep. Um. Yeah, that's all I had. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ben wondered if they remembered Spock Snipe, that it was too bad that a computer couldn't replace the surgeon when they invented Voyager's EMH. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he liked the look on Daystrom's face when Spock neck pinched him. Uh, Daystrom, that dude has a great voice. I'm a big giant named Mr. Daystrom. Yeah. Yep. So that was good. Didn't think he was a good actor is the problem. No, he wasn't. He was not pulling off his crazy lines and insane persona. Uh, to, at least not to the level that his vocal delivery would have you believe. I know. It's kind of like he had such a great 
tool that he what he wasn't using it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I could not tell how what what the intention was when Commodore Wesley called and asked where Task Force 37 was, the World <laughs> Wonders. Right. Uh so I thought that was a little bit of a misstep here like let us know what he means by that remark. Yeah. Like I, we I get what Dunsell means, but like have him say it sadder like right. this is the passing of an era or meaner like fuck you. Yeah, but he's he's in a weird yeah. liminal space between them where I was just like, I don't, I'm not sure I understand his intention there. Yeah. Who did the risk analysis on this mission? <laughs> They're never going to do another one. They fucked the dog big time. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people died for sure. Uh, the <laughs> entire crew of one of those starships. Yeah. Yeah. It went it went bad. Yeah. Did. Bob Wesley, when he was prepping for this mission, not noticed that Daystrom was dangerously unhinged because he has the usual Starfleet prejudice against scientists. And he was like, you know, these guys, this is what they're like. Everyone I've ever met. Like there was no way that Daystrom wasn't for weeks before that going. My computer is perfect. And if it's not, you can go fuck yourself. I'm the great Richard Daystrom. I need to. I need to publish some more papers. I gave best actor to Chekhov when he hears the word Dunsel and worst <laughs> actor to Daystrom, even though he has a great voice. Whoa, is this Chekhov's first best actor? Nod? Yeah, usually Chekhov has just like... He usually embarrasses himself. Oh no, the fat chick's into me. <laughs> That's right. This time, just that look he gave was spot on. Yep. Good for this him. All, it, again, it was a little thing. Yeah. Small touch. This is not a show of little things. No. You gotta call them out when they happen. That's good. All right, I have a small small touch is the word you always use. That's, that's right. nice. We should have again. We need to go. I'm I'm I am listening to them. I should be keeping track of who wins all these best actors. Oh yeah, I've got the notes for all of them. Okay, I didn't award best actor in the first uh, few, week, yeah. which is the only one I don't have notes for. Was it only in the first one you didn't award best actor? I have notes literally from week two on. I so. realize, but do they? Do you know if they include best actor notes right away? They always included Best okay. Actor notes. From nice. the moment I started awarding Best Actor, I had it in my notes because otherwise I would not remember. Yeah, yeah. All right. Speaking of which, by the way, Ben gave Best to Kirk and Worst to Daystrom. So. You agreed on that, Worst to Daystrom. Yeah. Uh, in fourth place last week was Voyager. Oh, lucky them. Maybe it'll improve. This week we watched Macrocosm. With a big fat grin Talking about all the holes that I ran up in Uh a nigga playing like dishes Cause now the bitch is getting suspicious Uh She know I fuck hoes out of habit Who framed you, motherfucker, Roger Rabbit Cause I couldn't have it Got stabbed in the back By a black ass dirty man If he didn't know it's like Did you say motherfucker, Roger Rabbit? Who framed Cube, motherfucker, Roger Rabbit <laughs> I know we did. Uh, we talked about this a lot Priceless. during our album cuts. Yeah. But the Predator is a wild album oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he's so angry and he says such incredible things. There's so there's phrases said, in each song where you just go, "Well, I've never heard this before." In in the same clip, I'll just play it again. This You'll hear it. the other yeah, one. Yeah. With a big fat grin, talking about all the holes that I ran up in. Broke a nigga playing like dishes. Cause now the bitch is getting suspicious. She know I fuck hoes out of habit. Who framed you, motherfucker, Roger Rabbit? 
<laughs> broke his plan. Broke it, which is already weird. Yeah, yeah. Like dishes. <laughs> that's right. That's what you do with them. That's the number one that use for dishes. Bitch, it's curtains. I know. <laughs> uh, all right, let's not get sidetracked. There was a great episode of Voyager that happened that was, I think, a memorable as an all-time achievement. Uh, please Trek. tell me about the episode <laughs> Macrocosm. Janeway just can't do diplomacy. These weird old aliens, the Tic Tacs or whatever, act all weird and she doesn't appear to know what to do. Luckily, Neelix studied up and he finishes their weird meeting where he, he poses a whole lot, like just like the aliens doing. These uh, these guys, these uh, Tac Tacs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they are like... The colony of free thinkers that Luxana Troy oh. takes Alexander to, so they can bathe together. Yeah, Artsy. where they're all, they're very, they're they're super dramatic. This and, is a lot of a lot of. And fucking... He does a lot of declaiming and <laughs> gestures. So yeah, it's performance art for sure. And Janeway didn't know to say the higher the fewer. That's right. That would have got her out of it without Neelix's help. But uh, you know, Neelix is uh, he's doing his part. At least in this part of the episode, he's doing his part. Um. So he he appeases dude with all of his performance art, and they are back on their way to Voyager on the shuttle they took out to meet with these dudes. Uh, but whoops, Voyager isn't at the rendezvous point, uh, but rather a light year away and seemingly adrift. Um, when they come upon it, they find no crew and no response to communications. They're uh, walking around in the ship. They find some old food in Ensign Wildman's quarters and determine that it's been like... Oh, about 11 hours since shit went down. Yep. Uh, they chase a blob, some kind of CGI blob, into the transporter room. Where it, like, sloughs through the floor and into the Jeffries tubes. They attempt- It's like a, like a wasp's nest. Like a floating wasp's nest. Yeah, there's a lot of buzzing in this episode. Because, guess what? The macro, the macro virus that I'll talk about soon, it's like a big bug. Yep. That's what viruses are. I don't know if you knew. No, they're basically mosquitoes. Yeah, <laughs> no. that's correct. Anyway, so it's uh, it's going into the bowels of the ship. They, they're they trying to get to the bridge, so they take the turbo lift, but it goes whoopsie, and the bad CGI monster breaks through the wall and tries to slap them. And it even squirts Nerlix. I, I didn't mean to type Nerlix, but it's fine. <laughs> um, I kind of like it. Uh, they climb out uh, disaster style, the TNG episode disaster. Yeah, uh, I'm just putting together now that they probably uh, took this ship, the shuttle, back into the shuttle bay and didn't beam over. Yeah, I don't think they beamed. I think they parked. Yeah. Because I was like, man, they're going to the bridge. How'd they end up in engineering? Yeah, they were on. The, yeah, they clearly were walking up from the shuttle bay. Uh, Janeway begins to detect faint human life signs above. Neelix, now from getting squirted, has the space flu. So he lies there for a while while Janeway climbs onward. Uh, she doesn't get too far before Neelix is attacked again and disappears. Um, For the rest of the episode. That's right. <laughs> He's out. He does not reappear. She heads off to engineering, uh, strips down for heat reasons, I think, and uh, straps Also on... to look more like John McClane, right? Yeah, it was. he's pretty sweaty in that whole... Uh, and or Rambo. He's definitely sweaty in his whole, in his whole adventure. Yeah. Although in the first one, he's like up in the Northwest. I don't think he's that sweaty. Yeah, not Rambo and First Blood. Yeah, Rambo and Rambo. First Blood Part Two for sure, though. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so she like straps on like a million gats, well, so many gats for commando <laughs> reasons. Uh, 
she finally gets up to the bridge and sends out a distress signal before she gets mosquitoed in the arm uh, by one of them big old macro viruses. She yep. she treats herself quickly and uh, finally pinpoints the life signs she detected earlier. She finds a whole bunch of crew in the mess hall, including Harry, our favorite, and Chakotay, our, also our favorite. Um, nasty bugs fly out of a growth in Chakotay's neck. And then that big blob CGI bug comes back and attacks her from behind. Uh, she does a blasto on it and escapes, but now is suffering pretty bad from that space flu that Neelix had. So she tries to get to sick bay where she runs into an armed Schmullis. Yep. He then does a very, very long flashback. Like a 20-minute flashback. Yeah, we have to learn how it all happened. About the macrovirus, which they picked up from some kind of mining colony... Uh, he had volunteered to go treat some sick dudes on the mining colony and found the virus all flying around like a fly. Then he stupidly beamed up a sick alien and whoops too late, right? It infected a bioneural gel pack, one of those squirted balana, blah, blah, blah. Nah, it's dumber even than that. He didn't beam an alien up. Wait, he didn't? He just beamed up himself and for some reason some virus came with him. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I guess in the air around him, even though he's a hologram. Seems like all they need to beam up is the mobile emitter. That's I don't right. Know. Well, this mobile emitter, the mobile emitter gets a lot of play in this episode. Well, it was full of mosquitoes, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. Janeway and the doctor uh, finish the flashback and head to the environmental control to, like, gas these fuckers all over the ship, I guess. Is that what she's yes. up to? Um, but Schmollis gets rerouted to the shuttle bay because those guys are after his mobile emitter. They want it. They want to yeah. sting it. I don't know why. It, it gives off heat is the technical explanation yeah. and these guys are dumb i guess that's what it is they're just viruses and they're dumb um janeway's about to do the fix when uh, the tac tac come back to destroy voyager they uh they purified the colony so i guess all those guys are dead <laughs> forget all those miners <laughs> uh and they're gonna do the same to voyager because i guess they've dealt with this thing in the past and it's not great so they're gonna yeah. take care of it um, she negotiates a temporary reprieve and then comes up with a plan to get all the viruses to the holodeck. By the way, that stupid sex resort program. Yep. Where she will go in and drop an antigen bomb. Oh, because it's hot in there. By the way, that's the reason. Oh, that's why they chose That's why the they use the sex resort program and not her... Uh, governess Victorian mansion? Yeah. Governess <laughs> house on the moors or Sandrine or whatever, right? Right. Uh, on the way, she has a knife fight with a CGI virus monster, and then... She sure does stab one with a knife. Then she drops her antigen bomb, and, uh, that gets all of them. Gets every one of them, and then the tac-tac guy calls, and he goes, Hey, sorry, we almost killed you. We didn't know you were gonna do such a good job getting rid of that virus. Uh, have a good day, and that's the end of the episode. No, it really is. What the... What the fuck? What was this? What was this action... action movie? So you know how I, like, thought about what Star Trek was trying to say, and then what I thought the actual takeaway from the episode was? <laughs> sure. Well, they weren't trying to say anything in this one, and I think that put me on a bad foot, yeah. on the wrong foot to get started with. Uh, all I've got for this one is be careful what you wish for. Mm, what, like, what were they Janeway wishing for? Janeway can't wait to get away from these weird dramatic aliens and back to uh. Voyager. <laughs> and then it turns out Voyager's a goddamn nightmare. And then Schmollis can't wait to get down on this away mission. Oh, yeah. But he just ends up hiding from bugs in a shuttle. Uh, <laughs> this is a dumb take. Since anything can go wrong at any time, and what are you supposed to do? Not get excited about stuff. I gave it 
two points. Mm. Um, look, I went. I was. I tried really hard. I came up with some other things I was gonna say, and and I. I just in the end, I said, you know what they did. This was a no take. <laughs> In the I mean, end, it's... it was a no-take. This was an action episode. They weren't trying to do anything. I could have just sat there trying to come up with a reason some things happened in the episode. But it was a no-take. I mean, I think I texted you saying, you probably no-taked this voyage. Right? <laughs> eventually, I did. I had not seen it at that point. But I did eventually yep. end up no-taking it. At the time, though, when I was watching I couldn't remember whether you'd told me that about this or DS9. So I I did not necessarily have it in mind. Oh, um, uh, Yeah. But yeah, um, it could be the DS9 is also a tricky episode to come up with. Yeah, I so I I had I, I had like three paragraphs written down of explanations of some stuff I was going to talk about, but I was just like, nah, it's nothing. It's nothing. So. <laughs> you, f- you found yourself working too yeah, hard. I crossed the line. I crossed over to the side where I had been working on it for like thirty-five minutes, and I went, no, nah, that's it. Ben's more generous. He always gives them credit for what they're trying to do. I think and. Uh, he his take for this one is what if parasites were big though <laughs> i guess that was also, an attempt <laughs> also with the comment it's been done oh what's the big viruses one is there another big viruses episode i mean i don't know like if you're on a fantastic voyage there oh. are probably some big viruses or something sure right? sure sure that makes or sense. um that huge amoeba where enterprise is the virus Ooh, yeah right that's true okay uh, we just saw that one not that long ago yeah um, but I guess I feel like to be honest, you should say, "What if parasites were big and also impossible, and also they were sometimes they were just mosquitoes?" But then, like, how did the ones that weren't mosquitoes? How did that thing hover? Oh, uh, just levitation. It was just like it uh, just can levitate. Magic powers. That's unsatisfying. I know. Uh, also, the CGI it- was Babylon Five bad. He gave it a two. Don't read my notes. He gave it a two. <laughs> and then uh, for execution, he says, there's no reason for Neelix to be on that pod in the first place. Why not a doctor or pilot? Mm. Well, Janeway can probably fly a shuttle. Yeah. I don't it's know why she took Neelix. To see a flashback of what the crew was trying to do to save him. So usually we just cut to everyone being salt crystals or something. Yeah. Uh, it was weird. It was like, which story did you want to tell? Did it you, is true. Did you want to tell the action story with Janeway, or did you want to tell the infection story? It was weird. So there's, a, there's, a, I'm thinking of two episodes of TNG. There's, a, there's the one where they come back and everyone has de-evolved. Times Cafe, Timescapes, Timescape. No, de-evo- no, de-evolved is Genesis. No, proto. We're talking about Barclay's protomorphosis. Virus. Yeah, that's a different. Oh, you're right. Yeah, they did just come back and it was like that. That's Genesis. They just they come back and it's like that, and they just uh, Data and Picard just try to reason out what happened. We don't have to do a flashback about it. God, you know you're right. And but Timescape is also exactly like that. They like they try to find it. They try to find Enterprise and it's not there. And then they go and they track it and down and it's in the middle of a Romulan fight. Right. It's in, but it's frozen in time. And yeah. again, um. Like, so instead of a flashback, time does briefly reverse, which gives them enough of a clue. Yeah, they get like 11 seconds. They get to see it a couple, but they still mostly have to work out what was happening. Right. Uh, Well, they don't usually do a flashback, but in neither of those episodes is there a hologram that can just tell them what happened. So (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I guess I could fucking ask the computer. Yeah. In, uh, in Genesis. Oh, the computer's probably offline because the ship's wharf has been uh, jizzing acid all over everything. <laughs> and Riker's been smashing stuff with his yeah, fucking ape hands. Breaking the Lexan on all the consoles. Right. Um, but yeah, usually we don't. We 
you're right. When we hit one of these, something's been going on here. We don't usually get the flashback about it. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, uh, wait, the episode just ends? Oh, yeah. And then he also wishes someone would die in this show because there's never any stakes. I mean, um, yeah. It's true. The, the stakes have so far been pretty low in Voyager. But it would be really... I mean, uns- Harry, Harry Kim died, but then he didn't. Yeah, well, they said things right. Um, Wouldn't it be really unsatisfying to die in this episode, though? This filler episode? Oh, yeah, that for sure. That would be pretty lame. Uh, he's a three on execution. Okay. How about you? You you don't follow my rule where a no take is an automatic zero. No, but it's not a good sign because there's nothing for me to play against for the take. So yeah. you basically would have to really crush. You'd have to make a really good episode. Imagine a no take that was a ten in execution. I don't know like, what that would look like. I hope to find out someday. Can I put that on my list of things that I wish to achieve from this project? Sure. Um, find a zero ten. This one's not though. It's a two. Um, I see. Yet another horror survival episode. What's the deal with Voyager? They got a lot of these weird horror episodes. Um, the flashback scene was so long. They could have just said, we beamed up there, one by accident and it there were got into the too. gel packs and the rest is history. They treated us to a second flashback, which is irritating. Yeah, they clearly had no idea how to complete this thing. The CGI was terrible, so they really should have used less of it. There's yeah. so much CGI monster in this. Oh, and by the way, uh, read what the people who made this show thought about it. They loved that. They were like, this is the best CGI what? we've done yet. It was so terrible. Yeah. Her knife fight with that monster was embarrassing. Uh, like, legit, puppets would have been better. Yeah, no, Muppets are almost always a better choice in the 90s. Yeah. Did uh, did Kate Mulgrew go to the producers and ask for a Commando episode? Did, when you read your memory alpha, did it say that? So it turns out that it didn't. Okay. And she has a lot of comments about how uh, she looks athletic, but she's not. Ah, wow! What a humble yeah. brag. It's a weird. It's a weird thing to say for sure. <laughs> I know I look like I'm just like the best athlete in the world, but I'm kind of not. Uh, no. So as usual. Whenever one of these, uh, whenever one of these people who is in a show that's supposed to be uh, thoughtful and about ethics gets to do dumb action stuff, they do talk about how much they love the change of pace. Yeah, but it, as far as I could tell, it was not a situation where uh, she went to them and she's like, "I think I should fuck more. I think I gotta fuck more." <laughs> the problem is that Picard doesn't fight and fuck enough. Yeah, uh, there really wasn't much going on in this at all. So yeah. All the problems with it and no take. It's just a, it's a two for me. I was feeling slightly more generous. I gave it as many as three. Okay. I have a question though. How can Voyager be the show that uses the most techno babble and yet gets the most things just wrong? Because techno babble is nonsense. I but think like, by its very nature, it is nonsense. But like, did they change? science correspondence or at that point had whoever was the science advisor on the show figured out that their job was just to try to make up words to justify things yeah i don't know i'm sure it was in that book that we read about how bad star trek is that's what the book was about and um and they did talk about the science guy and he he did say that he eventually figured out that his job was not to make good science it was just to explain the dumb crap happening and um, you're right, though. They're doing a worse job at it in Voyager. How is that hornet's nest hovering? How can an antigen meant to kill viruses inside a body also kill the big things? 
how can a virus get into the transporter buffers uh-huh. and then into one and only one gel pack inside a replicator? Yeah, what are the transporter buffers, by the way? How do those work? I thought they were computer chips. Me too. Did this virus... <laughs> and then the replicator gel packs are also kind of computer stuff. So, like, yeah. did it did it turn into electrical energy and yes. then turn back into a virus inside the gel and pack? And you could tell because briefly a bunch of peas flashed all over the console. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you know. Uh, there's a lot of threes everywhere. If data <laughs> figures out, it means Riker. Anyway, what happened to Neelix? Yeah. <laughs> Disappeared. And then the biggest question and the biggest problem, why do we keep getting these fucking diehard episodes? Yeah. Hey, at least she, I say some of my quick hitters, at least she didn't strip entirely into her underpants like they would have in Enterprise. For sure, in Enterprise, she would have just been in straight underpants. Yeah, I felt like her... Uh, Going cutting down to the tank top was really just meant to evoke action movie in this one and mm-hmm. was not intended to titillate. Yeah, but you know, in Enterprise, it either would have been Tucker in his underpants, saving everybody, or, or that time how she falls out of the vent and her shirt comes off and she's exactly, got to stand with her hands over her boobs. Yeah. yeah, just barely covering nips. Fucking Enterprise. <laughs> that poor fucking woman. She's hey, in all the episodes, but not she doesn't do anything. <laughs> Hey, you're 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 one of the big seven. You're one of the big seven on Enterprise. Yep. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah, four through seven don't do much, but you're totally in. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah. So uh, I gave it a three. Um, world building. Yeah. Uh, without life support, <clears throat> Voyager gets hot, not cold. Yes. That's not what we saw, I think, in TNG. Yes. It is, however, probably what would really happen. Yeah, I mean, I had the same thing. I, I'm just asking, is that because normally the engines also shut down because it's a power thing, but not this yeah. time? Yeah, maybe it is. Okay. Because I think it was a power drain problem. The Yeah, every other time we see, like, they, to death one. they lose life supports because they've lost everything. And in this case, yeah. the environmental stuff went down, but the engines were still pumping. So. Uh, also... Mac, macro the idea of macro viruses a but it's a bad idea because it doesn't make sense yep they're fucking almost a virus is a virus is a thing that is fucking on the cusp of being alive or being just a fancy chemical yeah it's like one of the two things it's either like it's a protein that's so fucking fancy Sure. That it can do some shit that seems like life, right? Yeah. Like, if it's alive, there's probably nothing that's alive that is less lifelike than a virus. <laughs> right. These big boys are like, ah, cool. Uh, I'm attracted to heat, and I can find it anywhere on the ship. And I, I drag all of my victims together. Yeah. And I could go into the holodeck, and it's like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, Schmullis? It has like four brains just for smelling. Hey, Schmoes, you may not be a research scientist, because I don't think what you've got here is a virus. I think you've got, like, a giant monster. And, like, if the idea is, well, it, but it started out as just a virus in your bloodstream, and, like, look, now it's a, a whole big thing. Like, dog? Hey, dog? It's just weird DNA, buddy. Yeah. Hey, lots of stuff starts out as, like, a simple chemical, and then, and then life is built based on it. That's... What yeah. you discovered is normal life. Yeah, like, hey, I just saw a time-lapse thing on YouTube the other day about a salamander. It's like time-lapse f- uh, imaging of it going from a single cell to being like a salamander baby or something. Is that what we're seeing here? Is it a salamander? I, 
Yeah, this is what he's <laughs> discovered is a hovering wasp's nest. Yeah. And for some dumb reason he thinks it's a fucking virus. Yeah. Um so that all sucked. I gave it two. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Ben has smallest, you idiot. Ben actually has it as a zero because it's dumb. <laughs> it doesn't add anything to canon. We've already seen this in TOS at least twice. Have there been big old? I guess there was a big amoeba. Yeah. Um. Oh, and then I guess also the, in um, the flying eggs. Yeah, the fried eggs. Yeah. In, uh, is that Operation Annihilate? Yeah, and those were single cell organisms. I guess. Yeah, There's... huge single celled organisms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he says, yeah, how could they fly and do what they did too? It was dumb then, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope I scored it low. I'm not going to lie. It was nice to see aliens acting like aliens. Yes, that was probably the one good part of this episode was yeah. that that guy was like, it was, we rarely see this, but it was an aspect of the, that the Universal Translator could not compensate for. Yeah, Neelix straight like, had to learn that shit. They had no problem <laughs> getting the words across, but the Universal Translator can't do the gestures for her. God, wouldn't that be crazy if it was just a rig that you wore? Yeah, it's up. <laughs> All right, time to strap onto the U, strap on the UT. <laughs> uh, no, so basically, <laughs> uh, humans got mad lucky that they were part of that group that the preservers did yeah. because it means that everybody that they fucking talk to in space is just like that. If you were these shitheads oh God. or the Darmok guys, space travel sucks. Yeah, Stay home. Seriously. Yeah. If you're the Harada sucks like, out there, there's nothing out there for you. If you're the Harada, just stay home. <laughs> all these other aliens are weird and they all look alike. That's right. Why are they all? I've asked this recently. And they're all pissed off when you can't tell them when you can't tell them apart. When you're like, wait, you're Klingon, right? Ah, oh, fuck. I'm sorry. You guys look almost exactly the same, and you behave exactly the same. And it's even worse because if half of all aliens in the galaxy look exactly like humans. Yeah. So, like, I've asked this recently. What is it like to be one of those species that doesn't look like a human? How aggravating must it be? Like, I don't even want to talk about that colony that Jameson sold weapons to. Were they humans? Yeah, it were doesn't they, come up. Were they humans? Is that why they had those cool eagle statues? What is They it? appear to not be in the Federation, but, like... Uh, the gestural idioms of the Lairon. Um Not sure Janeway can appoint ambassador. The Lairon. I thought those dudes were the tac-tac. Nah, they're comparing it to the gestural oh, okay, idioms sorry. of the Lairon. Off-screen, they're not in the show. <clears throat> not sure Janeway has the authority to appoint ambassadors so this will have to be one of those strictly informal promotions i think well she certainly can't appoint him a federation ambassador but i guess she can appoint him an ambassador for the mixed crew of the starship voyager yeah maybe uh that good morning starship voyager show turns up on the comm signal scans as like a communication signal that uh in ensign wildman's quarters she's playing the neelix's dumb morning show yeah, sucks ass that they can tell when you're watching TV, huh? Yep. Now, who knows? They can, if you're, like, beating your meat to some harp ladies, they're going to see it on their instruments. They went in there and they were like, well, she was watching porn. It wasn't this porn. This is, like, the 80th one in the playlist. <laughs> That's right. It was porn many like, hours ago. Listen, if I hit the back button for 15 minutes, I can tell what the first one was, but, like... Neelix is like sitting at the console I don't think we should assume that she likes this particular thing just because it was in the same playlist he looks anyway. up at her he's like do you want me to do that like should I keep should I keep going back do you want to I mean are you curious does this matter um, are you curious then I thought we could probably figure out from the residual heat energy on the thing how long it's been since she came <laughs> we can figure out what she came to in case you want to see a good one uh, then I say the thing about how it's usually cold when the environmental controls go off but maybe not because of the the engines are on um 
the Rhinax marshlands where Neelix grew up was hot and gross. Oh, yeah. I didn't write that down because I don't expect it to ever come up. That turtleneck they wear underneath appears to have like a weird Velcro-y clasp behind the neck. It just comes apart when you detach Oh, uh, it's that. a dicky, right? I guess it's a dicky is what we've it's now found out. We never knew, but it's a dicky. Imagine having a fucking turtleneck, a long sleeve turtleneck dicky that's just all the time bunching up in the back and getting loose. I mean, how awful. Is that because they didn't want to mess up her hair? It's because Gene Roddenberry thinks that there shouldn't be zippers in the future, so they can never show... It's it's why uh, Ro Laren's uniform appears to have no seams, but somehow she can take it off when she needs to give it to a little girl, and it t- comes off just like a jacket. But it's like, there's no place where that could have come apart. I'm just really confused by it, because I'm pretty sure we see people walking around in those, and they don't look like dickies. No, no. There apparently there's some future tech where she somehow unzipped the whole back. I don't. It's if so the seam weird. can be anywhere, why is it at the back? Yeah, that's harder to get. Like to. if there can be an invisible seam yeah. that has no closure, why put it at the back where it's least convenient? Yeah, I didn't get it. Did Chakotay help her put that on in the morning? God, probably. Uh all of the macrovirus and all of the dumb shit about it. Um. Away team protocol for medical emergencies on unknown alien planets. Not sure exactly how the virus is migrated into the biofilter and, like, what that means. Uh, Klingon's redundant stomach. That goes hand-in-hand. In hand. I don't know if they've covered redundant Klingon organs yet in our project, but they definitely did in TNG. Yeah, it hasn't come up yet. I, <laughs> I, frankly, I think it only comes up in, like... In ethics, right? That's the only time it comes up in TNG. That's definitely and then where probably they say it. Fi- probably 15 to 17 times in Deep Space Nine. That would... Just based on the way Deep Space Nine bites TNG. <laughs> that would be my guess, yes. And also how, how Klingon-focused it is, too, I guess we should say. Hasn't been yet, but will be. God, for me, it was a three for all the things, but that my, that macrovirus thing is incredibly stupid. I just, I'm not sure it's ever going to come up again. Yeah. So we, sort of way, like when um, when something's cool, but it's never going to come up again. This is dumb, but it can't come up again, right? We ain't never going to see this no. macrovirus. We're not going to. It's not. This is not the new Viridians. We're not going to be running into the fucking. Yeah. Ma- First of all, as far as we know, there's no more macrovirus. The talk talk wiped out that mining planet. Yeah. And uh, Voyager purified it here. I love how the episode ends. And we'll get into it. But the episode ends. No one ever's like, hey, so if you hadn't killed all those miners, maybe we could have gone down and done the same thing down there. But <laughs> cool. Good job, though. Uh, Janeway's more than happy to fuck off and not deal with these uh, it's true. She hates these high guys. school drama club people again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it as a three. Uh, here's what's wild. You talked me up to a three. Oh, okay. There you go. Because uh, I, for- I had forgotten because I was not enjoying watching this episode. Oh, God, yeah. All of the away team medical protocol. But you know that's the shit I love. Yeah, I mean, he goes over it. Yeah. Uh, c- characterization. Mm, like I said, Neelix studied up and did a nice job with these weird old aliens. Um, Janeway, not a great diplomat, but I guess we kind of already knew that. Earlier I was listening... That's kind of the story of Voyager, really. I was listening to one of the old episodes. It was the one with the pervy Europeans. Yeah. And that guy is absolutely going to send her 40,000 light years until she gets in an argument with him and then he doesn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yep. And I was just like, you st- stupid turd like just get along with the guy for a little bit and then get 40 years closer to home you moron yeah Ugh. anyway um let's see she grew up in indiana i didn't know if that had come up yet um i think that's where our dogs are right maybe 
Or are they waiting in San Francisco? Is that where, where all of Starfleet appears to live when they're not? <laughs> First of all, we know those dogs aren't waiting anywhere anymore. Well, yeah, that's true. He, he tried to feed them back into the replicator. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know minus, where... Minus one dog. <laughs> I don't know where her... Um, delete dog. Minus one dog. I don't know uh, where her perfect living boyfriend Mark is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Schmollis volunteered to go down to the mining colony. Like, Kirk has an apartment in San Francisco in Star Trek Three. Like, he just has it. Yeah. Right? Is it in 2 or 3? Uh, it's when they give him his birthday presents, right? It's in 3, right? That's where uh, McCoy shows up with uh, his weird Katra. Spock's weird Katra. Does he go to his apartment? I don't I guess I don't remember 3. I know in 2, I think he shows up there and gives him the glasses, the old antique no, glasses. No, yeah, because it's in 3, right? Because they have to steal the Enterprise in 3. So does he not go there in two? I don't. I think he goes two there in takes two. place entirely in space. I swear to God, they're looking out over planet stuff when he gives him those glasses. But maybe not. Does he get called to go to the Genesis planet from fucking Earth? Because of Carol Marcus? I don't know. Well, but when we do the ah, movie project. When we get to the movies. <laughs> um, By the way, that's what we'll do, right? In week 81, we'll just watch the oh, motion picture. <laughs> instead of a TOS, just throw it. <laughs> and rank it. That doesn't seem fair. Oh, no, no. We can't do that because then we'll be giving... Yeah, we'll be giving Star Trek's 2, 4, and 6 to TOS, and that's rough. Well, but not only that, but we'll also be awarding a win for each of the TNG movies. For all four of them. Because they'll be unopposed. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, right, be, because they come at the end. That would be the wrong way to do it. Like, um, uh, All Good Things already gets an unopposed win. God, yeah, it uh, does. Which, and by the way, maybe it would have won anyway. Who knows? Probably not. It's a Q episode. Um, you know, as building. commissioner and co-commissioner for life. It we is can decide wi- how we want to do it. It is within our power to not award a win. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> when it runs unopposed like that. And I know you meant to say assistant commissioner for Sorry, life. assistant commissioner for That's right. It sounds so much wienery, more wienery when he says assistant commissioner for life. If I was commissioner. I'd make you assistant commissioner for life. Oh, thanks, partner. A um, little bit of old shark stuff. San Jose shark stuff. Um, anyway, my question is, it does is anyone actually living in San Francisco or is it all, or is it all, is it 50 pissed off residents like the people who work in the cafes and shit who yeah. are pissed off that they can't get an apartment in san Fr- like it's not about money but like they're on a fucking waiting list to get a san francisco apartment because they're all taken up by starfleet officers who are not in the town Got it's it. like a fucking ghost town yeah i mean harry kim's there in that alternate existence yeah he lives by the there. way does he have an apartment there waiting for him i th- god i think i guess i don't know maybe he does i don't like the answer is i don't know what they do when we know kirk ships. does but he's a whole admiral right but like, mm. uh, let's see. Not a lot of work being done in general. Obviously, it was a dumb action episode, but at least Neelix was competent, which made it a four for me. This is where you put in the points. Um, Ben's a two. Okay. He says Janeway can be Rambo when she needs to. All Star Trek characters have that capability. It turns so it out be surprising. Yeah. It's uh, super unclear what the new limits of the Doctor's powers are. Apparently, that thing is super fragile, and he's terrified all the time. Yeah. Uh, why can the viruses stop him so easily? It's a hologram still, right? Yeah, they show one of it, One of the viruses, proboscises, <laughs> gets in between his body and the thing, and he, like, flickers out once, and he's like, they were attacking my thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I am a three. Um, 
Schmollis is not just a blowhard, but now he's kind of a physical coward, and I don't think that's a great look. Yeah. Like, I get it. In the hologram, in, inside sickbay, he's invulnerable, and he can slap Tom Paris. That was great. We all liked when he did that. Yeah. But also, in, uh, in that one a few weeks ago when they were in 1996, he was, like, having fist fights in cars and shit, and, like, he looked, he was all commando-y that week. Yeah, and those guys uh, tried to shoot him all full of holes and nothing happened. And he was and so brave. And he him, like, real good. <clears throat> yeah. But in this one, he's real afraid of these bugs. Yeah. Janeway is impatient with diplomacy. Doesn't seem to me like they need to keep stopping and making friends, but what do I know? Do we say it every week? Where like are it you seems going? like if this is a character trait of hers that she's she doesn't like diplomacy, maybe make fewer courtesy calls. They don't even explain what they're doing, what they were trying to do with these people. Yep. Why did they take a shuttle pod, her and Neelix, to go talk did to these idiots? Did they get even one barrel of grain <laughs> for their efforts, right? Yeah, what's like, in the back of that shuttle when they come back? I know that what they really need is quadratanium, etc. But right. like, did they get anything? Yeah. Or did they not because she put her hands on her hips? She was apologizing a lot. I, by the way, you're not going to hear me say this much. Enterprise did it better with the aliens who didn't like eating in public. <laughs> yep. Didn't that come back in like an episode later or something? I, we saw those guys at least a second time, maybe in that episode. But okay, yeah. um, this is just straight not a character show. Yep. So they were never going to score a lot of points. But and I didn't love what they did to Schmollis and no one's in it. So three. Yep. 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 What about uh, quick ones? You got some quick ones? Sure, 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 sure. Uh, she makes her way to engineering. Okay. She takes the slow elevator up to the second floor. Yeah. Why is there a Rambo crate up there? In engineering? Yes. What, what's it doing there? She just like, she goes over. She doesn't say it out loud, but in her mind she goes, cool, 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 cool. Mm-hmm. She busts that crate open. She's, oh, by the way, already wearing the stiff plastic uh, scabbard for that knife. Yep, that's fine. That's they didn't want to show her putting on a belt during like it was a lot of business. It's a continuity error, but whatever. Sure. Uh, it, that thing has explosives in it. Yeah, it has the grenade that she uses to detonate the the antigen bomb. bug bomb at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, a phaser rifle. Yeah, a stab and knife. One of them stabbed. Do you know ones. who worked in engineering five weeks ago? The serial killer. The ser- <laughs> they found his stash in there. Let's just keep it here. Do you know who works there now? All Maquis. Uh, boy, that's true. I don't think there's one original Starfleet officer left in the engineering department. Ooh, because it's weird. at this point, it's just Bellana and Scott Thompson, right? If he's still alive. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember what happened to him, so maybe. Sometimes Harry Kim is down there, but like... God, that's true. Is there a Starfleet engineer who's still alive? I mean, at some point, we'll meet Vorik, but we ain't met him yet. Even just from the point of view of, like, there's a lot of electricity in engineering. Maybe don't keep your grenades in there. Yeah. Like, why is that crate on the second floor Yeah. right next to the warp core? I it s- doesn't make any sense. I swear to God. It's the laziest writing. They they didn't... Have, look, there's no armory set. Yeah. So, we'll I don't know. Keep it We've already got her going to engineering to figure out what's going on. So, she goes up there and there's the Rambo crate. I swear to God, she and Tuvok found that dude's Rambo crate, and they were about to move it, and they just went, you know what, this is as good a place as any. (laughs) Just keep it here. 
They should have a lot of, of room on the ship, unless it's all been converted to hold, like, again, I would love to see some fucking grain or something. Yeah. Like, what is Neelix cooking with if it's not the replicators? Maybe yeah. there's some efficiencies in replicating the raw ingredients that I don't know about. It would make sense, because it seems like when you go to the regular replicator, they replicate plates and shit, too, so. Yeah, maybe, but they seem mad worried about using the energy with the replicators, which no one in any other show's ever been worried about, so I don't know. Right. Uh, anyway, I fucking hated seeing that crate there. Uh, you know what? I'm taking another point off. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the two. It doesn't make any sense. It's I wanted to know where that lives. Was that world building grenades. or execution? It's world yeah, building. Yeah, it's world building. Okay. Wow. Well. Uh, phaser rifle. It seems like a very bad choice for fighting inside a ship. Yeah. Like, let's leave the power out of it, but like. Now you've got that thing swinging way out in front of you. Every time you go around a corner, you got to swing that whole fucking rifle around. Yeah, unless you're hugging the back wall as you go around like, corners or that something. That shit's not a carbine or anything either. Like, that's it's pretty long. And do you know what your phasers can do? Oh, they can do wide. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this every week. Okay. I'm going to say this every week. Uh-huh. Wide beam. Yeah. You know the whole crew is unconscious. Your phaser should be on a wide beam in both directions. It should shoot in a huge cone. I guess I've never really been sure what the point of the phaser rifle was at all. Because, like, a hand phaser has already been shown to be able to vaporize the shit out of people. So, right. like, what do you need a bigger one for? Yeah, the honestly, the only logical things that it could be is it's got more energy in it. So it won't run out fast? So it won't run out. We don't know how long a phaser lasts. No. Right? No, we don't. I mean, I don't think so. Starfleet's not military. Maybe it doesn't last long. Yeah. Uh, and then number two, it would be easier to aim. But oh, okay, yeah. Phasers already seem to read your mind. They just shoot wherever because you, want. you can point them at any angle, and that beam fucking comes out and shoots a big <laughs> square around the door. They got out of aim. And um, I get that it's got to be like that because of visual effects. Yeah. But uh. It doesn't seem like aiming is a problem that you have with a, a tiny disc hand phaser. Yeah. So the fact that you could, you know, have sights and line them up on a phaser rifle doesn't seem to be useful. Either. And they all just fire from the hip anyway. No one ever fucking aims through it. Well, yeah, that's because it's fucking TV, right? Yeah. But like, yeah. All right. Anyway, wide beam. That's what you should have done there, Janeway. You don't need the phaser rifle. You don't need that. She. You don't she need the antigen bomb. She a bunch bomb. of bugs with it. Good work, but... You don't need the antigen bomb. Just go on the wide beam setting and blast oh yeah, all those fuckers. For sure. You can... Exactly. You could have just stood in the door of the holodeck <laughs> on widest beam and just gone up and down once. <laughs> those things are vulnerable to phasers. We've seen it. Yeah. And then I wrote, oh God, flashbacks. And then I wrote, oh God, this B5 level CGI. And then I wrote, <laughs> she stabs it with a knife. <laughs> Seriously? And then I was done. <laughs> it was so... It was very clumsy. This is a... Uh, this is a huge form of a virus. What is in there to stab? Yeah, what did you stab? Did you stab the virus kidney? Like, what did you get? Like, there should be a minute when... If there was a minute... Again, first of all... There's a lot of stuff that if people just acknowledged would turn my scores around huge. I know. If at some point she had said... I think this is just regular life. I think Sh I think Schmalz is crazy. <laughs> There's a heart in this thing or something. <laughs> that would be such like, a cool aside. Uh... You know, nothing about what he said makes sense. I bet this is just a fucking huge bug. I'm going to talk to him about this later, because I don't think he's got it right. It's probably all fucking hydraulic, so stabbing it probably does a lot of damage. That's right. Even if you don't hit an organ. 
Uh, ben didn't. I have, forget if you've already done quick hitters. I, I have not. I'm so mad. Ben didn't have any. Um, I so again. I said so. This is Timescape, the TNG episode. I didn't remember that it was also Genesis. Uh, you forgot about Genesis. Um, God, I wish I could forget about Genesis. No, I don't. Because then when I have to watch it for the first time in a few years, I'm going to be very upset. So I'm glad I remember Genesis, so I know what to expect. Uh, there's one good thing about Genesis. It has a scene where Troy's in a bathtub, and it's not sexy. Also, I'm not sure her feet are shown. No, because I think she's got her whole uniform on. She may she have, have her boots, boots on. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that, you're right. That is a positive. Probably not, because they probably didn't want to ruin a pair of boots. But I don't think they show them, at least. No. Uh, TV is weird. She has to stand completely still while shouting, Coming, Neelix, rather than, like, moving her ass. Yeah. Well, because they were up super close because she's in that Jeffrey's tube set. So, like. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she stops completely still and goes, Coming, Neelix! And then starts to run rather than, like, just getting on the road. Yep. Uh, also, she doesn't know the trick that all Starfleet officers know, which is how to slide down a ladder. Yeah, she really climbs down slow. Uh, fucking Wesley knows how to do it. And then he, at the end, he a little flourish, a little bit of shrug. That's silly, Jordy. He does uh, hip wings with his hands. That's right. Uh, oh, cool. Bug cam. We got some bugs eye view at some point. Wait a minute. What's the commercial I'm thinking of with like a little cherub who has little wings that do that? It's a cartoon. Uh, it's either early Red Bull. I was going to say Red Bull like, is the one I can think of. might be early Red Bull. He does a Wesley. Yeah, he kind of Wesleys it. We should, and again, we should be grateful this isn't Enterprise. She would have done this whole mission topless. Um, oh, yeah. Tom Paris is a whiny jerk, but we already knew that. They were already sort of like, wait, whoops, we forgot to put a hot lady on this show. Let's do some scenes of Janeway getting into the bath. Like, <sighs> they do it every once in a while. Makes me upset. I and again, I think we discovered this, that she's, the actress is 42 and she's playing 38 and it's her voice and hair that make her seem so old. Yeah, why don't they do something about that hair at least? Maybe they can't do yeah. anything about the voice, but like, that ain't working. Uh, anyway, I said Tom Paris is a whiny jerk, but we already knew that that should probably be in characterization. But anyway, <clears throat> does he have a line in this? In the flashback, in the flashback? yes. In oh, the flashback, man. he's sassing Balana for no reason because now he's in charge of the kitchen. Why? Anyway, um, that's all I had because he failed to cross train as a doctor. <laughs> so now he's assistant chef. Yeah, poor guy. There's probably a couple other things that we didn't see. Oh, you know what? Like, I- you're not an assistant engineer either. He probably volunteered because in that cave with that dinosaur Muppet, he and Neelix became best bros. All right. So he probably volunteered as assistant chef. They did raise a baby dinosaur. God, this show's so dumb. I honestly, I I knew that I, it was bad enough that I stopped watching it and I watched all of Deep Space Nine and you know how bad Deep Space Nine season one was. God, it was. I'm listening to it again. I'm going back through the old ones. It is not good. And you're like, I have fucking third chap. Okay. That is literally the one I just that's, listened to. That's not the worst one. You'll get to the one. I made a clock. Oh, sorry. It's a clock. <laughs> it's a clock. Yeah. I'm not doing it justice because I've never felt the sheer joy and pride in <laughs> oh, my yeah. whole life that no, no, he no. feels about that fucking clock. I've never created anything or accomplished nah, anything nah, 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 that nah. made this me dumb like show. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it, man. That's all I got. That's, we've spent plenty of time on this. Yeah, I give Best Actor to Neelix and Worst Actor to Chakotay. Uh, 
Chico just barely got any line. He's got a line at the end, right? I think this, he's a, he's in the flashback, but not very much. Yeah. Ouch. But he's so checked out. Number three this week. In, uh, yeah, black, in its spot. In in the, in the traditional number three spot, where I would not have guessed yep. uh, it belongs, uh, uh, is Enterprise. This week we watched Anomaly. Uh, this version so it, it feels like it's up tempo but maybe it's not uh, uh, uh. what do you think brandon braga listens to brian adams okay uh brian adams is so much better than that but that's always what i've imagined i always imagined they wanted to get brian adams and couldn't the singer it. is channeling the singer really loved that fucking three musketeers movie <laughs> in the 90s and yeah. he was like what if brian adams and rod stewart had a baby that's right and it looked like sting if the whole thing comes and together it looked like sting yeah well yeah. because that's what you want <laughs> you want the, the great great looks of sting <laughs> i shouldn't say that our mom likes the way sting i looks, thought I all ladies love sting don't they i don't know uh yeah well, i mean isn't that what aquid said aquid said this is what it means to love a woman is to accept sting well, yes, it was one of the many great things that Aikwood said. Don't forget that Aikwood also said of Sting that he had uh, the, any idiot can play the bass. Well, Sting has an IQ of 106, so it's a high functioning generalization. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what was this one? Do it. Enterprise is continuing to encounter worse and worse spatial anomalies as it proceeds deeper into the expanse, and they're eventually uh, forced out of warp. As they start to deal with the damage, I don't need to recap what they're doing there, right? It don't matter. Okay. They uh, find a stranded ship near them in in real space, and they limp over there on impulse. It appears to be abandoned. For no reason, Archer takes a Mako team over to investigate. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess he's still trying to find the Zindi homeworld, so maybe, I don't know. He's kind of... These guys have computers. He's generally in I'm the big boss mode. And so I think he just liked the idea of um, fucking parading around on somebody's ship. Yeah, boy, this is the thing I'll have to think about for the remainder of this arc. Uh, Archer has been talking to Forrest more than any Starfleet commander has talked to anyone in their chain of command. Yeah. So maybe he is like, there's no one he can report to out oh, here. Oh, it's me. I'm fucking, I'm the general in the field and I can ignore even the emperor's orders. He's king shit of fuck mountain out here. That's right. Oh, yes. All right. Yes. Maybe he is a general in the field who can't be recalled even by the emperor. That's right. But can we please? That's we should use the proper un- analogies. Yeah. Maybe that's better than the thing I said. By the way, there's a total war game coming out about the three kingdoms. In case it matters. I'm just I'm waiting for it to be good. Waiting for one to be good. I mean, I know you love Romance of the Three Kingdoms 10. I know, and I downloaded whatever the... I don't know if 11's the latest. Whatever the latest one is, I have on my computer, and I've, I've only cracked it open to do, like, um, some of the uh, uh, tutorial well, missions. DW Empires was such a letdown. Yeah. <sighs> they find evidence of weapons fire and a dozen or so bodies of aliens that uh, died when life support failed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do download some data. Uh, turns out these old boys have been dead for less than two days, though, so Archer decides they can't hang around for repairs and they need to get on their original course, even though they can't go to warp, which, again... Yeah, if you're not going to warp, you're not going anywhere. You're not, like... There wasn't a nearby planet they could go to on impulse, so they might as well just sit there and save some fuel? Yeah. I don't know. 
uh, a ship approaches and uh, a boarding party beams in and they start to steal everything good. Yeah. They empty out a cargo bay. They take the ship's fucking antimatter. Yeah. Uh, they take a bunch of photon torpedoes and other weapons and stuff. Um, and uh, they kill crewman Fuller. Yeah. See, well, that's what Ben was asking for out of Voyager. This is a thing that uh, <clears throat> has not happened in Enterprise, really. Yeah. They've had a real good run. But they do leave a, a guy behind. And Flox recognizes him. He's an Osarian. Oh. So not native to the Expanse. Right. Uh, T-Paul thinks it's uh, dumb <laughs> to chase after these guys. Yeah. That they could go, maybe go somewhere else and replenish their supplies. But uh, Archer's been real stone-faced since he saw that dead crewman. Right. He's not... Um, He's not in one of those uh, time, rare times when you can reason with him here. They are very rare, and yes, it's not going to happen after his ship has been attacked. Not after his ship has been attacked, and maybe the first crewman under his command has been killed? Yeah, I can't remember, but that could be true. If it's not the first, it's like second or third only. Yeah. They, they really, it has not happened to him. In fact, they talk about it later in this episode. Yeah, there's some weird body horror stuff they go through a few different times in the early episodes, but I don't know if anyone actually ate it. Yeah. Uh... So, of course, they're going after him. Archer goes down to uh, talk to his prisoner, who says, Look, I'm not worried about you. You are still civilized. You haven't been here long enough like us. Like, we didn't start out as pirates. We turn to pirates now, and we'll do whatever. But you guys are still soft. And Archer's like, Nah, I'm going to do whatever it takes to complete this mission. You should not have said that to my face. This was a big mistake you made. Enjoy the inevitable torture scene later. Yeah. Uh, in the only, maybe the only character moment in the show, Reed and Trip have a little conversation about how they've been affected by Fuller's death. Reed is sad about it. Right. Reed is normal. He's like, oh, I'm going to miss this guy, whatever. Trip is cynical. Trip is like, at this point, I don't think any of us are getting out of this. Well, you know, his sister died. I don't know if you... I don't know if you remember yes. that. His sister died now, presumably 10 to 12 months ago. <laughs> right. And he has not been normal. Also, he's not sleeping. We'll get into this, yeah. but he has not gone back to the sex massages. Yeah, it's, um, I guess she's not that good. Uh, something like that. <laughs> or it's probably he's just turned on by it and he's uncomfortable, right? Oh, well, then that's probably how this is going to end up going. That's right. I forgot. He's a nice guy. Yeah. He's a nice guy. He too. didn't want to fuck Flox's wife, even though she was... Very into it. Really, really putting the moves on hard. And Flox was okay with it. And Flox was like, oh no, you should. You should get in there. She's got... I don't know if you've seen how weird my body is. Bro, do you know what you will find in there? Get in it. (laughs) You're going to want to... You're going to wish you had. Anyway. You've been on a ride like this before. Uh, But Tripp's a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, Enterprise uses downloaded data from the uh, other dead ship to uh, chase these guys down. And they pass through a cloaking field and they find an enormous metal sphere. Yeah. And they could tell from the ion trail that the Osarians must have spent at least eight hours there. And so they go on over in a shuttle pod and uh, it's empty now. Right. So I guess this is just that pirate base. It seems like it is pirate base. Whoever built, because these guys didn't build it, they're not even from the Expanse, but whoever built it, not there. Yeah. 
Uh, and they find a lot of their shit. Like, these guys offloaded and left again. They don't have anyone guarding that shit. No, they did not leave anyone. Maybe it was uh, the guy they've got. Maybe he was supposed to guard it. <laughs> Since he's gone. Well, I guess no one's doing it. Yeah. So, uh, they find most of their stolen equipment. And also they find a cargo manifest. Yeah. Uh, boy, this is in the F plot. Trip burns himself. <laughs> and the doctor's like, you're tired. And he's like, yeah, give me the drugs. And he's like, nah, go do the sex massage. Yeah. Like, we, we we figured this out. Go do that. And he's like, ugh, I haven't gone back. And he's like, this because it's so intimate, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because I know what this massage entails. And I know it's sex. It's just sex. We call it sex in a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, it's just sex. Uh, Hoshi discovers that some Zindi artifacts were on board the Osarian ship. So now... Uh, Archer goes to try and get some information from his captive about the Zindi because that's his mission, right? Yeah, he's a hot lead. He's not cooperative, so Archer uh, sticks him in a fucking airlock and starts decompressing the airlock. Yeah, he goes far. He chokes this dude out. Anyway, it's enough that the guy gives it up. So he's like, "Torture works." All right. Uh, he he learns that yeah, torture works is the one of the messages of the episode. <laughs> He learns that the uh, Osarian ship has a whole Zindi database on board. Yeah. And he gets the command codes from it because I guess these guys are too dumb to change those just because someone's been captured. It's like, um, yeah, you know, when someone uh, when someone quits my job, oh, they, yeah. w- their access is gone that day. Yeah, it's like they just have a big uh, Excel spreadsheet on the computer that says passwords. Yeah. And then you, you just go in there. <laughs> kind of. So uh, Archer uh, waits for him to come back to this sphere and he starts attacking them. Also, it, in a move that was not explained, it turns out Enterprise is a lot stronger than this ship. Yeah. I don't know how they figured that out because um, these guys had no trouble boarding and taking over. Yeah. Oh, they didn't take over, but you know. I what? know they were unprepared, but yeah, they got their asses yeah. kicked back there. So... Uh, uh, there's some back and forth. Oh, you got to get closer so I can hack the computer, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Archer starts shooting their base so they come back. Yada, 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 yada. Uh, anyway, they disable the ship. They get the Zindi database. Archer returns his prisoner to the sphere. So the guy expects to be executed. But Archer's like, I don't know. I'm not that far. Go- I don't know. Whatever it is. He turns him yeah. back, right? Right, right, right. And uh, starts looking at the Zindi database in the war room as the credits roll. Yeah, real plot. <clears throat> plot advancing episodes are the norm here, huh? They're yeah. just—they're not really about uh, exploring issues. They're more about uh, this expanse plot. Now, this is... Uh, the Star Trek people have wanted to do stuff like this for a long time, but their hands were tied by the studio. So mm-hmm. they're sort of getting their first chance with this. I don't think it's surprising. No, no. That the that that's the kind of episode we're getting, but we have a rubric. Mm-hmm. What did what was your take for this one? Uh, sometimes you must lead with the threat of brutality if you want your adversary to cooperate. Mm. That's obviously kind of a TOS non TNG take, um, but it's I mean it's based much more in real world diplomacy and relations, and it's very odds. 
Yes, this episode is very much of its. This is a twenty. This is an episode of twenty four. Exactly, it's an episode of twenty four. Exactly, got dropped he, into Enterprise. He is Jack Bauer, and he will torture the shit out of you and scream, "Tell me what I want to know!" But he won't kill you if he doesn't have to. All right. Um, for me, it was a. Th- that's a three. Uh, I am now officially challenging you. Oh. Yes. All right. So, what do we do? Is there a? Is there like a new screen that's going to pop up here? Let me. How many cards do you want me to put down before we put down the war card? Let me introduce the uh, the idea of this challenge. Okay. In week four, Ooh. we watched a Voyager episode called Phage. Ooh, the, one of the best ones. It scored very highly. One of the good episodes. Uh, and the premise of that episode, and you convinced me to adopt it as well. Oh. Is what will you do to survive? Sure. So the Vidians are introduced in that episode. Yeah, and they're stealing organs up on this joint. And they're stealing organs. And it's not because they're bad guys, per se. Right. They need them. They are in a situation. They're in a medical emergency. And your contention was, here we are, episode four of Voyager, so far from home. Sure, sure, sure. What will Janeway do? Mm. What will Janeway be forced to do? Right. And you gave it nine points. So, oh, yeah, okay, so you're saying that in this case, the the phage guys are the pirates? That's correct. And the phage guys are the pirates. And Archer is Janeway. And Archer is Janeway. And the central question, every time he goes to talk to this prisoner, is... How can you come out of this expanse without turning into us, right? Sure. What will you do? here i guess the reason i feel like it's different this time or i didn't read it the same way is because archer's mission is a little bit different he's not there to survive he is specifically there on a possibly suicide mission to murder the zindi or whatever like we got to do whatever we got to do to the zindi and he's not he's not trying to get out of the the expanse or anything he's trying they have to stop the zindi from destroying earth sure so but it's his personal survival may not be at stake. Yes. It may be a given that he, he might not get out, but his mission must succeed. But what I'm saying is he will probably not look at these pirates and think these are, this is us. These pirates. Well, of course he won't because he's not self-aware. <laughs> right. So these pirates got stuck here. They have no mission here. They would like to go home. Right. They've given up on the possibility. Anyway, this is. Uh, it turns out that this place is one of those fucking mysterious energy barriers yeah. that exists in Star Trek. They were you're able to get in, but you can't get out. Right. So that's something that I guess Enterprise will have to deal with later. So they're like, um, they got to survive. Whatever they got to do to survive, they got to do. But Archer does not necessarily care about that. His mission is not the same. That's why he turns complete. Like, he really wants to get his shit back. So he can get on with his mission. But once he finds out these guys have Zindi information, that's his mission. You know what I mean? So I feel like he's not necessarily in the same boat as the pirates the way Janeway will probably end up being in the same boat as these uh, these organ stealers. You know what I mean? Like she is in an emergency and wants to go home. Archer yeah, is maybe. on a death mission. I think you're cutting a pretty thin distinction. Okay, well, I'm saying I didn't read it the same way. Yeah. Um I see what you're saying though, because 
definitely this guy keeps throwing shit in Archer's face about how he's uh, still too civilized and how one day you'll be just like us or whatever. Yeah, we used to be like you. Yeah. It's, we're from outside the expanse just like you. But Archer just laughs from a in race his face. That's, and that's weird, but like not that weird. We're in the Vulcan database, etc. Right. But Archer just laughs in his face and goes, Ha ha! I'm already as bad as you. Suck yeah, on Archer, that. Archer laughs in his face and goes, I did a mock execution like five weeks ago. Yeah, You'd have hated you it. You should have seen it. I had this one over here pretend to be the real, the real judge, the person in charge. It was awesome. I already do war crimes, so. Yeah, so... To me, I read it different because of the circumstances, but I see what you're saying. Like, I get it. Just to me, it feels different. To me, it feels like he is not in a do-what-you-have-to-do-to-survive mode, so he's not going to see those pirates that way, and there isn't really the same relationship between them as the Vidians and, and Janeway. Who, although, now that I've seen so many episodes of Voyager, I'm not sure she's on a mission to go home at all. No, I'm not. She's really not. At the time, I thought that was the mission, but now I'm not so sure it's the mission. Like, why was she with these tac tacs? Who knows? Well, it kind of turns out that the answer to what will you do to survive is nothing. Nothing new. Nothing different. Nothing. Just gonna do whatever. (laughs) Um, yeah. I sir, I won't fuck Q. I'll tell you that. That's the one thing I'm not gonna. And by the way, I'm not gonna say to the the gross European guy, "Yeah, you got a good point." (laughs) I will not do that. Because that's I got principles. Um, all right, so I sense you went the way of the phage on this. Uh, are you now officially asking? Yes, I'm, yes, I'm, you you have refuted my challenge, I'm, I'm, and now it's, I'm making the official request. All right, so my challenge is unsuccessful. It was unsuccessful in this case. Yes, I, I see what you're doing, uh, but I don't. That's not how I read the episode. Uh, so the answer is yes. Uh, how far we go to survive? So. Archer is less civilized and less Starfleet in general than yeah. Janeway. And we've seen, again, we've seen him participate in mock, mock executions before, so it's less of a question. Yeah. But I don't think that's any reason the premise is worth less here than it is there. Okay. So, uh, premise-wise, I went back, I looked, I apparently gave it a 7, so I'm giving it a 7. Okay. Also be careful and look at the scores we gave to the episode Justice. And just so sometimes in the beginning, we weren't necessarily we didn't we hadn't really um, we hadn't gotten everything. Uh, Yeah, I give justice a seven and you give justice a nine. I think I made the phage argument because we gave it the exact same scores for premise. No, no. So what I'm saying is we hadn't really necessarily worked out how we were scoring things yet, because sometimes you go back and you look at some of the scores we gave like. um uh, you think Justice shouldn't have earned a 41? Yeah, I, look, I don't disagree. <laughs> like, like the I te- think I was probably like, <laughs> forced to give it a 7 because that's what we did in Phage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, there's a reason that it's 7 and 9 for both of them. Right, right, right. I, I, was, I, I wasn't I was arguing. Have was... the scores... Are the first <laughs> 10 episodes scored generously? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do I want to do anything about it? God, no. No, I understand. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, if If we do it, it'll be... Weeks 177 to 186, where we go back and correct. The f- we'll figure out, and yeah. then we'll go back and correct. But I'm not doing it now. No, I get it. I get it. I was just saying. Because sometimes I go back and I go, huh, this is kind of like that episode. And then I go back and I gave that a 10, huh? <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, ben? Oh, are you still going on uh, on take? No, okay. I'm, I'm done. Ben, ben gave it a 1. Uh, he says, when the fate of the world is in your hands, sometimes you got to choke a dude. No real take. Um, I mean, yeah. 
it, it was kind of a uh, angry Archer episode. It's the whole take of twenty four, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, He's a three on execution, though. Uh, more underwear for no reason. Who's in their underwear? Oh, there one? are a lot of loving shots of the Makos getting dressed. Oh, God, that's right. There's a weird Starship Troopers yeah. unisex yeah. locker room. Yeah, there's a lot the, of... Okay, but that's one... It's 20 seconds at the beginning. Yeah, but I think the camera kind of lingers on You're the right. lady. The You're lady right Mako. Lo- the, the, they treat that one corporal, the one lady corporal, yeah. ge- I, uh, generously. I have it in my notes somewhere, the same thing. Lots of lingering underpants shots as the Makos get ready. Uh, okay, I straight forgot that that happened. Good. Well, then you lucked out. <laughs> I, here's my entire reference to that weird chainmail undershirts. Yeah, what's the deal? There's like a they put on a weird chainmail layer in there that I don't understand. Uh, you need it specifically to drive the anti grav suits or whatever. Oh right, right, right. Uh, yeah, they get all the stuff stolen. It goes. They go to a orb structure hidden base and they steal it all back. Uh, no one's clear about why the cloaking field is bad news. They don't pursue the Osarians or take them prisoner. So, yeah, just a three for him on execution. What about you? Wait, uh, I believe, is it your turn? Fuck, maybe. What about uh, you? I give it a five. Okay. Um, it's remarkable that basically no one on the ship died in the first two seasons, and it deserved a bigger payoff than this. Like... There's that one scene, but there are a lot, and of course Archer turns into a weird baby. But yeah. he's that's <laughs> both both Trip and Archer in this. Their behavior could be explained by other things. So all you're really left with is Reed's kind of busted up about it. Yeah. Of course, we know Archer will do a torture, and we have every reason to expect that soon he won't be able to simply turn over the prisoner at the end either. Yeah. So I felt like that would be a cop-out. The, the part at the end where he turns him over is like a C, Archer's still good cop-out. But the, the prisoner he turns over delivers a line that says, this is, that, that lets us know that this is supposed to be something that Archer is going to have to give up later. That he can do this now, but sooner or later he's going to have to be a, the, go all the way on Dick. Go, yeah, go all the way. Turn right. that up to 11. Right. So that made it seem intentional, so I was less mad about it. I also thought this was going to be a Moby Dick where Archer went after the people who killed his crewmen. Yeah. But it didn't end up being one. No, I, I think, if, in fact, when he sees that Zindi, when he gets word that they have a Zindi fucking a whole file on the Zindi or whatever, he kind of even forgets that they killed his crewmen. Yep. He kind of puts him back on mission. Yeah. I didn't like this episode. Okay. But I don't know exactly why. So I was not inclined to be too harsh, and I gave it five. You suppose it's because generally we grew up with the TNG Star Trek, and Picard would never do any of this shit? Picard certainly wouldn't do it torture. I mean, like, he's never put in these situations, but, like, <laughs> no, it's hard to believe. Up, does it? Um, uh, anyway, about... No, no, in TNG, it'd be, like, some admiral who wanted to do a torture. Yeah, and then he would give a speech about why it was and never hard okay. to give a big speech about... Losing our humanity. Giving up your... Exactly. Yes, exactly (laughs) right. Uh, About my take about leading with the threat of brutality, uh, even an amateur historian would tell you that the threat of violence has been effective in in history. 
but we are clearly not in Gene's Star Trek anymore. Gene, Gene, Gene didn't have anything to do with this. That's a real fucking shame that all the people who took over Star Trek hated Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> well, can we read that fucking ambush book that was just every single person saying over and over again about how much Gene Roddenberry sucked? And you're like, wow, uh, some, somebody had an axe to grind. I mean, there wouldn't be Star Trek without him, but what an asshole. <laughs> he really was the worst part of it, though. Oh, and I hated all his pie in the sky futurism too. And it's like, dog. <laughs> it's like, what do you, what you, what did you like about it then? It really, was just a job for you, huh? Yeah. Uh, it's uncomfortable to watch the good guys, particularly Starfleet torture dudes, and then like chasing and stealing from pirates and shit. But like, they're obviously going for something darker this season. And to be fair, the episodes have been paced better and more exciting. Um. Also, I like the big, long action sequences in Enterprise, because then it's an opportunity to let my mind go blank. <laughs> I don't really have to pay attention to what they're doing on the screen or anything. No, but I think you're right, though, that they are a little better done. Yeah. Like, uh, it's not Harry Kim busts into sick bay and does a shoulder, shoulder roll, roll. For no reason. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, they're better at it than Voyager, for sure. It's like, most of the time, Star Trek doesn't commit to the action enough to do the action right. Yeah. I think this is why, even though First Contact is a dumb action movie, it's everyone's favorite, is because it, they commit. it's much more committed to it. Oh, than, yeah. there's a, Everyone's just walking around, in, uh, again, in undershirts, just going like, lock and load, and shit. Right. Whereas there's five minutes in Nemesis where they're shooting phasers at each other, but also most of the time they're just hiking through the hills and a kid's got a little CGI hamster. Not Nemesis. Uh, uh, insurrection, yeah. Insurrection. Fuck. God, fuck, God. Why did you bring up that kid? I hate ever that, having that kid's image in my head made me upset. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so there's nothing to note during those sequences, so that's good, but it does make for kind of a dumber episode. Um. All in all, for me, it was a five. Oh, then we agree. Yeah. Uh, ben is a two on world building i guess uh the giant cloaking field although not the huge metal sphere itself apparently uh he's seen the dyson sphere it's way better i know <laughs> it's bigger <laughs> and then uh there's a throwaway mention of stem bolts yeah about how they'll never run out of stem bolts or whatever yeah 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 <clears throat> yeah um uh, what did you give it for world building well, this certainly is a weird anomaly. It affects all of the food and drink in the room, but all of the humanoids just chill and watch. Yeah, that sucks. By the way, that's negative points for me when Archer <laughs> has been walking around the ship and interacting normally and goes back to his fucking quarters and his fucking tea is still spilling out of the floating glass. It's like, how do these anomalies... I don't care. Yeah, the Vulcan guy is ringing in my head just saying, they don't even obey the laws of physics. And you're just like, okay, great. That's how they're going to explain all this dumb shit. Seems like you need new laws of physics, but whatever. Uh, the Makos have clearly very much been earthbound to this point and have little zero-G experience. They all yep. talk about it. Also, their major seems to have disappeared. Yeah, what's he doing? Is he sick? What's the deal? <laughs> He's sick today. He's not going on this mission. Uh, the Cochrane equation. You can take corporal tits, but I'm not going. That's right. Make sure you have the briefing in your underpants. It's important. Um... The, the Cochrane Equation, uh, pirates live in this expanse because they can't go home. The Osarians, who have a huge merchant fleet back home, but no known history of piracy before now. 
uh, trellium D is what you need to insulate your ship. Uh, against anomalies. Yeah, in order to protect against the weird anomalies in the expanse. Good thing they know a place where they mine that. That's right. Um, is that the guy who wanted the liquid... Uh, platinum. Platinum. <laughs> which we are Correct. afraid is the latinum. <laughs> I, that's why I'm afraid... Oh, no, they're going to have to go back there. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, last time you gave it to me in a stainless steel thermos, do you think you could put it in gold? Could you, just, like, could you press it into gold we have, somehow? We have this thing called gold. I don't know if you've heard of it. If you could put that around the, the latinum, that'd be cool. Thanks. Could you give me five strips of it, please? And then also eight slips? <laughs> they got a, At Enterprise, they have to meet everything first. So One whole bar? Uh, some kind of My cloaking. My cousin owns a moon. That's right. Some kind of cloaking barrier, an artificial sphere, apparently a thousand years old, uh, likely causing the spatial anomalies. Uh, Aldebaran mud leeches that help you sleep. That's what the doctor offers up if uh, he doesn't... Yeah, those aren't real, right? That's a that's a threat to get him to go back to sex. Oh, yeah, I couldn't tell. I don't know. Maybe they're not real. But yes, that's what he offers up when the, when Trip doesn't want to keep doing the, uh, the sex treatments. Um... So for me, it was a three. I agree. I think that they did. And one thing you didn't mention is that the idea that it won't be easy to get back out of the expanse has floated here. Right. But I don't think that in this one, we learn anything new about the Zindi or even really what's causing. Like we know the anomalies are tied to the sphere. Right. No one is interested in that idea. No, man. There's it's uh, it's they got Zindi on their mind and that's it. Like, uh, old T-Pole tells him that, and he's not like, maybe we can shut him down. Yeah. So, uh, I think that although they teased world building, more world building, they teased more world building than they did. Yeah, it would be cool to learn about all the stuff that's happened in the Expanse, but that's not really what anyone's curious about. That's not what this one's about. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a three also for characterization. Okay. Uh, again... Hard Archer is never more than five degrees away from crying Archer. Yeah. Yeah, they chose the wrong they chose the wrong actor. We talk about it all the time. They they picked the wrong actor for this role. Uh Trip and Reed are in this one, but they're not really doing any character work. And it's just frankly not a character show. No. And again, no one else is in it. Yeah. Uh so three for me. Ben is a two, Trip is real cranky and cynical, and then everyone else is the action version of themselves. I think that's right. Um, I had it as a three, like you. Uh, Archer's on edge and willing to threaten torture and death to this prisoner, and then he straight does a torture, and then he fights and robs these guys for Zindi info and threatens to blow up their base. Um, Some stuff between best bros, Reed and Tucker, about the dead crewmen. Uh, Tucker's still having trouble sleeping and hasn't been back to CT Bowl. Not a, like we've already talked about it. This is an action episode, so yeah. Do you have uh, quick hitters? Ben declined to put any. Yeah, um, I had the underpants note. Let's see. How does this guy know Archer and his crew are too civilized and moral just because they're new to this region? Is it because their ship's clean? Like, what if they were real dicks? I mean, he kind of is. Archer's a dick, but like, what if the Klingons found their way in here? Like, would he just yeah. he'd see their metal bed and then he'd be like, oh, these guys are hardcore. Yeah, he's like, this jail's too nice. Yeah. They fed me already. Oh, and by the way, this Osarian guy's voice was hella familiar, so I looked him up. Uh, Babylon 5's Warren Keffer, that uh, fighter pilot from season two. Oh. Yep. We'll see other familiar faces this week. 
Uh, a dead crewman. Welcome to the aughts. Uh, Hoshi pulls a, you better come see this in the situation room. I mean, people die all the time in the 60s, 80s, and 90s Star Treks too, so. You know, it's true. I didn't remember people in TNG dying so much, but it seems like it happens. Like all the fucking time. Like Marla Astor just died. Yeah, she ate it. About every time you see someone who's not Wesley Crusher at the con, that person's at risk. Well, those things explode. I don't know if we've talked about it. (laughs) Um... Yeah, Hoshi. Yeah, and uh, yeah, ended it with Hoshi pulled that. You better come see this, which I always take note of. <laughs> I mean, Jordy does it the worst, right? Jordy's the meanest about it. He will literally be fifteen feet from you. You'll be in the ready room, and he'll be on the bridge, and he'll go, yeah. "You better come see this." Do you think it's because he's sometimes he's not sure what he's looking at because of his visor, and he's just like he knows it's something. Like re- I'm gonna look like a real asshole if I don't get some other another set of eyes on this there's a word on the screen that he's only ever read but hasn't said out loud he doesn't want to say it wrong yeah you you better come take a look at this and read it for me just read it uh what about you quick ones uh boy no i think i've all said them all did i miss the tactical assessment where archer decided he could take this ship in a fight he just announces they're outgunned when they show up yeah, I gave best actor to Hoshi and worst actor to Prisoner. I don't think he got a name. God, I don't remember. Yeah, he might not have. Yeah. Um, in second place last week was Deep Space Nine. Oh, and that means this week we watched. Wait for it, Meridian. I had to look it up. <laughs> Well, it's nothing. The only reason it's better than Jatrell is because Meridian's a real word. But I guess that's true. It's just the name of the dumb planet. But it's just the name of the planet. Yeah. It is Voyager rules. Uh, let's do A plot, B plot on this a little bit. I'll just do A plot first, and then I'll get to the other one. A plot. Cisco hand waves an explanation about why they would possibly be doing a planetary <laughs> survey in the Delta Quadrant when the Dominion are real angry and powerful. <laughs> Gamma Quadrant, but every, Sorry, every gamma other quadrant. word you said was correct. Uh, and they find an M-Class planet just kind of popping into existence. Like He doesn't even do it in person. It's in a captain's log. Yeah, captain's log. This doesn't make any sense, so just accept it. Hey, guys, we're back. We're in, the, we're in this quadrant, even though it's full of guys who hate us and they're better than us. Um, anyway, like I said, an M-Class planet pops into existence right in front of them. Like, hey there. Um... Uh, credits. Uh, they read a small number of life signs and receive a hail from the planet. A friendly lady is like, come on down and have dinner with us. How much would you have liked it if O'Brien said, it's Aldea. Oh, wait. <laughs> I've, I've been here. No, wait, that one's real. <laughs> They're going to take our children. Molly, no. Um, uh, so the friendly lady invites him to dinner. Cisco is hungry, so he says yes. I don't know why else he would have said yes. Um, but I fucking wrote down her name. It it was not important to write down. Turns out she's not a main character in this episode. No, I thought she was going to be like that lady who kept setting Cisco up for sex on that other planet. What was her name? <laughs> yep. uh, I don't remember her name, but Cassand- the name of Sandra? the woman he was setting her up with. <laughs> ah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, turns out this planet periodically blinks into another dimension without form only pure consciousness and then blinks back they spend about 60 years in the other dimension and only a short time in this one 
And it's getting shorter. So wasn't it lucky that they did just popped in there right when fucking Defiant showed up? Um, I mean, Defiant showed up because because they detected the weird thing that caused it to pop in. So it's yeah, whatever's happening yes. in that star or whatever. Yeah, the timing is is uh, coincidental for sure, but that is Star Trek. Yeah, uh, they're survivors of some uh, uh, settlement or what were they? Did they crash there or something? Like uh, they don't. It's a hey, expedition or something like that, but yeah. they do not explain what their purpose was. But it was like a millennia ago, and they don't... What technology of theirs su- survived, why this guy knows quantum physics, <laughs> right. if they learned it in the other dimension. Can they learn? Any of their backstory. <laughs> yeah. They seem to be living in a nice uh, terracotta village and eating fruit, but I guess they're pretty technical. Yeah, who's been harvesting that fruit? Do they just happen to show, like, as soon as they come into this... Uh... Don't ask questions. This All fucking right. first anyway, meal. Okay. So, um, they don't spend enough time on their bodies to, like, procreate and stuff, uh, even though they seem horny as hell. Um... Yes, I was sure we were getting another... Seduced by the sensual an advanced yeah. being seduced by so turns out we're not. No. I guess we've had enough of that in TOS. No, weirdly, these guys never turn out to be bad guys. They're just no, they're uh, not bad guys in the least. Yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> this is one of those. The, this a plot is uh, the stakes are all personal. That's correct. Yeah, their their sh- their weird shift is all out of balance with less and less time being spent on this uh, physical end each cycle, and eventually, this guy says it's all going to go in the toilet. Uh, it's going to go all out of whack and they're going to cease to exist in either realm or whatever. Yeah, I guess the theory is that whatever the bad stuff is all happening in the real realm. Yeah. And when it goes bad, the planet's going to, I don't know, explode and, don't and they're not going to be able to get back to the other realm. They go back to Defiant to run some science type scans to see if they can fix this imbalanced cycle. But dude just wants to flirt. So they launch a probe and then they go back to the planet for like a nature walk. Uh, I want to derail you here and ask a question. Okay. Do you think every Miranda-class starship out there with one science officer on board is constantly running into scenarios like this and acting as though they're the USS Enterprise? <laughs> because it's like, this ship has Dax and O'Brien. Is it? They specifically explained to us, by the way, when the Defiant was introduced, that it is not a science vessel and yeah. it's not equipped for research. And I guess Bashir. That's it. And they are like, well, we'll take a crack at this. <laughs> See what we can do. It'll only take us like a few hours to get back to the other side of the wormhole and ask for advice. But like, nah, though. And it's like, if this is Starfleet, if this is standard operating procedure for Starfleet, there's got to be a lot of missions where the USS Lantry fucking flies away from some planet. And it's like, Captain's Log. Well, we did our best. And then <laughs> the people on the planet are like, these assholes. Starfleet sucks. They start telling us they can reignite our sun or whatever, and then nothing. That's right. Or the whoops, they accidentally blow the whole fucking thing up. Um, it's like Dax knows that she is the star of a, the only Star Trek that's airing currently. I guess Voyager's airing at this point, but you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. They should go, this is... We don't even... this. Sh- we're on a station that doesn't even have a fucking captain. That's right. It's still Commander Cisco over there. And by the way, this th- ship is fucking borrowed. Yeah. And he's convinced Starfleet to let us do this dumb mission. And by the way, it is still very dangerous here. And why are we hanging out here? Right. Like they should be like, eh, I don't have a staff. I'm, 
I'm Lieutenant Dax, Lieutenant Dax, yeah. the science officer, right. with no staff. That's right. We could probably fix this. All right, but what you're not taking into account is they that... don't even have Janeway. Like Cisco is not an engineer. Oh hell no. No, you can see when he's desperately calling for O'Brien's help last week in that uh, one where he gets to the uh, yeah the core and he's got to do the thing. Um, you didn't take into account though that they have to save these people because Dax is in love. Well, that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, Dax and this guy go on a nature walk. She thinks she's figured out how to fix everything, but now the dude is going to go live with her. He's going to leave the planet and live with her because they're very much in love from their 20 minutes of being together. He's a gentle widower, but he has a sexual side. For sure. asks her right away. Yeah. How far down those spots go. Oh, uh, is that before or after he hand feeds her that fruit and she gets all wet? Uh, it's immediately. It's in the same conversation. I forget the exact order, yeah. but let's just, it, it's the minute he meets her, yeah, for sure. It's gross. He's like, hey, you got um, spots. Um, Did, are they, do you have titty spots? <laughs> I want to know about the titty spots. Yeah, your titty spot free? Let me look at them. I presume is the question. Bust them out. Uh, so, of course, she's known him for 20 minutes, so she's into it. Um. This guy, though, becomes convinced that his leaving will cause even more harm to a, a crumbling society. So Dax offers to stay on the weird planet instead. Uh, by the way, incidentally, that's fine with me that she's into it right away. Dax is the horniest character on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Sex Dax? She's always fucking a freighter captain or her wrestling coach yeah, or the, whatever. Yeah, that guy right? from Final Fight, exactly. So, like, this is, this is uh, her seven lives personality. One of, the, one of the traits is she horny. Yeah. So, so you know, she likes more, whatever. That's right. So, yeah, she's going to offer to stay on the planet because now she's known him 30 minutes instead of 20. So, obviously, yes. Nah, he's going to go with her. No, no, no. So, at this point, he's going to go with her. But then he's like, oh, I can't leave because we're already, like, so low on people. It's going to be so bad. So, she's like, okay, well, now I've known you 30 minutes instead of 20. So, now I'll stay with you. Yeah, I know. But you're cutting, like, there's a whole thing where he, like, he has to have a hard conversation yeah. with Selton Recall and the woman she wants to be his wife. I forget her name. Cassandra. Uh, so the, the turn where Dax is going to stay happens mad late in the episode. Uh, I know you're doing a plot, b plot. Yeah, and that's yeah. why. She's uh, so she says her goodbyes to everybody and uh, beams down. But whoops, they didn't bother to verify that she could do the dimension shift thing. And uh, they tried to fix it with a <laughs> transporter. It didn't do anything. But again. There's no staff. It's just O'Brien, Bashir, and Dax. And uh, Bashir's pretty confident that they did it right, but they did not. No, they didn't do it right. In um, fact, it's going to break the whole planet. Yeah, they start to go into a shift, but like she's not going along, and the whole planet's shaking and threatening it's to blow up. earthquakes and shit. It's not good. So they have to beam her back, and the, they go on to their dimension shift alone by themselves. They didn't fix it, I don't think. They didn't do anything. I think they didn't do anything. Did anything happen out there? Uh, no, they started to they 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 shot a fucking MacGuffin into the sun. So <laughs> the star is gonna be stabilized and it'll it'll be fine. But it's gonna it it's gonna take like years for the star to stabilize. So it's too late when they're when they come back in sixty years. Then Everything I think will be fine. I think what they said was there'd be equal amounts of time in both dimensions. Ooh, when I wonder if that means next time. I wonder if that means sixty years each. Anyway, could, could be sixty years. Um, so she's all sad because she lost her boyfriend of one minute or whatever. Um, yeah. The B plot. Yes. Kira and Oda were talking in the replimat when a creeper named Brunt, sorry, Shran, sorry, Wayun, sorry, whatever his name is, shows up to try to, tries to slip one in her. 
he's into her gross in a like, gross way 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 too much put aside the fact that he looks like a hockey pad <laughs> he is into her too much Yes, he is. Uh, and he's telling her that he owns two helicopters and six buildings. <laughs> That's right. He's, he's really... He's a property owner, for sure. He's got a lot of Congary energy, so... Uh, she says Odo is her lover to make the guy fucking leave, but, like, he still kind of doesn't leave that fast. Anyway, he eventually <laughs> no. leaves. Um, later, this same dude, I like that you said he looked like a hockey pad. That's true. Um comes out of the holodeck and he's all limp dicked and he complains that the programs suck ass. It's like Quirk, your sexiest program eats shit. I I have to fuck Major Kira. What he wants is a custom Kira sex program. Forget all of these underboob Dabo girls that you would let me actually fuck because want, it's somehow in their contract probably. I want a butch fucking haircut and I want some boots and a fucking Give me that Give me that Major Kira hologram. I want that She's undershirt. She's got that dancer's body, and I gotta get it. I love that weird lattice undershirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so Quark's like... For- also, she's mean to me, and I'm into it. Quark's like, for money? Sure. Yeah. Yes, I'll do anything. I'm a terrorist. What difference does it make? And Quark doesn't say it out loud, but his plan is definitely to also fuck that Kira hologram. Oh, 100%. He's gonna sample that program. And also probably sell that program? to people oh it's everyone's gonna be fucking kira pretty soon and then she's gonna find out like it's not gonna go good for you quark (laughs) well again people are gonna be laughing at her like when she walks down the promenade people are gonna be like i know what you look like naked because somehow quark's hollow imager is gonna get that (laughs) doesn't really come up they don't get into the mechanics of it we've come to find out he's not good at schemes so it doesn't really work out He, he first cooks up a scheme to get kira into the hollow suite to be scanned that doesn't work she's not interested in going into it um so he very obviously stands around trying to take a hollow image of her and gets caught right away. And then yeah. later, uh, Tyrion, that's what you said the guy's name was? Yeah, Tyrion. Uh, Tyrion and Quark uh, talk again, and Quark says he has a way to break into some personnel files or something, steal Kira's shit, whatever. Odo detects the attempt and tells Kira, who prepares a surprise for Quark, uh, it's a program with a sexy Kira body and a Quark head and voice. Yep. The guy, uh, Quark apparently does not sample the program before he gives it to the dude. Because he goes in there and sees the Quark-headed body, and uh, he gets all pissed and leaves. Good stuff, DS9. He basically promises to ruin Quark. Yeah, he's, he's going to use his huge money to ruin Quark. He threatens, We'll never see this guy again, but yes. He threatens Quark a few different times in the episode that he will personally ruin him for if he's humiliated in some way. But it's like, I don't know, Quark didn't tell anyone what happened. No one's no, going to know nobody, except him. Nobody knows. He walked into that hologram. He, here's the only thing I could think about is, uh, and I thought about this a lot. He learned something about himself in there, right? Yeah, for sure. It awakened something in him. Yeah. And he's now he's got to deal with a whole thing where he's <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Now the only thing that gets me off is a woman's body with a Ferengi man's head. And I got to live my whole fucking life like yeah, that. Yeah, how difficult now. that is? I have to make that myself. Yeah, by the way, I should have bought the fucking hologram program because this is the only one in existence. I shouldn't have stormed out so quick. Yeah, so I'm going to ruin you. A plot or B plot, I'm not sure much was accomplished, but uh, there it is. What was it? All right. Um, This one's tough. Uh, You could argue that there's that there's no that there's no real plot to this one. Uh, Ben Ben gave it the plot. What is the nature of love? 
the B plot is about the hollowness of physical attraction. And he says that the A plot is supposed to be deeper. Mm. That was my problem is that the A plot is nothing like their relationship is also not based on anything except that he's horny for her and she is permanently horny. Yeah. So, uh, that's what I took. Uh, horniness leads to heartache. (laughs) Nice. Good. And that I'm look, I get that that's a cynical sounding take, but prove me wrong kids. Yeah. So we're supposed to believe that Daryl, I don't know if you said his name. Also, I never pronounced Daryl, but let's just say Daryl. I never said it because I only thought of him as the bad guy from Lo- one of the bad guys from Lost. That's right. the only thing I could think of. That he and Dax are in love, but their relationship doesn't seem to be built on much more than sex. How far do the spots go? Let's count the spots, etc. Let's go back to your quarters and count spots. We get it. Right. And of course, Tyrion had to look at a gross hologram. So um, that's not, it's not a great plot. It's not a great moral. Yeah. Because it's just like, what, don't be horny. It's bad right. It's bad to be horny, right? I guess. How about putting... And, like, Star Trek is not the show for this because they're so uniformly terrible at it. But, like, how about putting sexual attraction into the context of other things that are attractive about a person? Or, mm. like, how about doing a show? <laughs> try, try to write something. <laughs> write something down um, on paper. I gave it three points, but that's a two. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm sort of in the same boat where I came up with something not impressive, and I gave it a two. Um, For me, it was some things are too good to be true. Because Dax thought she fell in love in a hot minute and was going to spend eternity with a non-corporeal existence with this dude or whatever. But nah, though. She almost killed all of them with her very presence. Yeah. And, uh, you know, B-plot. That guy thought this program that he was working so hard to get was going to really pay off for him in the beat zone where he's going to beat all his zones. But no, it was not good. It was a quark head. That's nothing. I mean, it's a two because it's nothing. It should be one. Maybe. I don't know. I'll give it a two. Yeah. Um, well, how did you feel they did execution wise? Uh, yeah, let's keep it brief. Star Trek's not good at romance because the writers don't understand what people are like. By the way, standard note, uh, whenever this comes up, this is a Jonathan Frakes episode. God damn it, Frakes. He didn't write it. I know. He's not responsible for that. But he didn't have any notes for these actors because I got to tell you, Dax and that guy, not crushing You didn't believe it? Not crushing it. What about the Dax-Cisco goodbye scene? I thought that was probably the best scene of the episode. It was, and I thought Avery Brooks did his best. I thought Avery Brooks did his best, and... Terry Farrell, how would you even know if she was doing her best? There's nothing uh, there. But I still feel like Jonathan Frakes at least got a performance out of her. Okay. That other directors have not even attempted. It doesn't seem like anyone cares. <laughs> that's right. I think that's. The I think he's thing. the only one who cares. Because he was like, well, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm never going to be Riker 2 in the next one. <laughs> like, oh, this God. is it for me. Did you see, I'm a director now. Did you see the thumbnail for next week? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. I know what next week is. <laughs> Anyway, uh, this was a one for me on execution. That's going to be fun to explain, by the way, for anyone who has not, and everyone knows what no one no one listens to this. <laughs> Sorry, what did what did you give it, it was, for execution? It's a one for me. All right. Not only um, did I think it was extremely boring, I hated it. So, all right. Okay, uh, I did a, a couple of things. Okay. Uh, the Kira Odo love line is slowly advancing here. Yeah, Odo's like a tongue-tied freak. She like pretends. 
that they're lovers to make the guy go away, and Odo seems yeah. kind of yeah, messed yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it, um, Rene Aubergenois did some face acting there. Yeah, despite Odo's weird mashed potato face that <laughs> yeah. I thought worked. Um, is he ever gonna revisit faces? Like, is he ever gonna be like, okay, I've seen a lot of faces now. I'm gonna try be it again. It. I'm gonna try. It, and that's why it's so wild that w- that we saw eight changelings and they have his same face. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, I guess at some point later, someone should say, "Wait, we introduced changelings. They could like, they could be body double people. You know, like yeah. they could be pod people." And they're gonna, and obviously someone's gonna have to go. Um, but why haven't they ever done that before? But they can't do faces. Yeah, how does this work? Odo's bad at faces, and and we could have made that just an Odo thing, but it turns out these people are bad at faces too. Don't worry, they will not ever try to reconcile that. Um, sorry, I was distracting you. So the move that happened here was Dax committed to her choices and said goodbye and everything. And for dumb technobabble reasons, it couldn't happen and everything's the same next week. Yeah. And when I wrote that, I thought I liked that better than dumb character reasons. Okay. Because for, so for Dax, how important can Starfleet be to Dax? Mm, It's a good question. I don't know. This is something where Jadzia likes science, right? But there's eight other dudes in there, and they've done all kinds of shit. And the idea of picking up and starting over somewhere else has got to be hella easy for a joined trill. Not only that, I mean, even for Judzia, don't you probably get the idea that Starfleet is a secondary thing in her life to getting joined? Yeah. So it's not even like something like her that. main mission in life is to be in Starfleet or anything. Right. So the idea that she could go live in a fucking energy dimension for 60 years, which is a thing that the uh, probably the trill inside her would love the like, that's a thing that you're not going to get opportunities to do all the time. Sure. Like, I could see her doing that even if she didn't care about this guy. Just to just to do it. Yeah. Problem is, if you got a trill problem, ain't no one there to help you. But then thinking about it now, Having a dumb technobabble reason why everything is the same at the end of the episode is the usual lazy writing convention. Mm-hmm. Like having a character reason would be harder to do. Right. Like some reason why she can't leave Starfleet. That's actually harder to write than, oh, it turns out they did it bad and she can't go. Especially because it means you'd have to like try to understand what people are like. Right. So... I had given it a four. Okay. Oh, the other thing I have to bring up. This is a huge ripoff of Brigadoon. Br- Brigadoon. Yeah. What's a Brigadoon? The, it's a musical about a Scottish village that only appears once every so many years. Oh, the Dalrock. I got it. Right. Uh, and that I also expect everything from the Gamma Quadrant side not to matter at all. Yeah. No work is done. Uh, so... In terms of execution, I had it at a four, but I think I have to reevaluate, and I'm going to knock it down to a two. Okay. Which one of your cats is doing that? It's always Charlie. <laughs> it's never not been Charlie. <laughs> um, what What's happening now is he's going to make those noises for about 30 seconds. It's going to piss his brother off. Uh-huh. His brother's going to come over and start biting him, and then he's going to make different noises. <laughs> Are those the noises that Harley prefers, or does that not satisfy him? It's punishment. That's all that matters. Okay. 
because he's he just wants to sleep. That's his life. Right. So if you hear like rattling doors, it's because they're fighting right at the door. I always I wonder if that I just wonder if he's not satisfied when the noises change. If that is not. Helpful. Oh yeah, it could be. Yeah. Don't make that noise either. Yeah. Uh, ben had it as a three on execution. Uh, he says that lover boy is annoying. Dax is distractingly bad. Whole thing fails to land. He can't believe that Dax is so in love that she gives up her whole career. Though you gave some different perspectives on that, and the whole B plot is I think nothing. F- yeah. I think it would be dumb if Cisco fell in love and like now he's got Jake. Yeah. I guess it would be so dumb that it wouldn't be. Th- but if Bashir did it, it'd be like. Mm. Bashir's motivation is, as we know, first of all, yeah. ne- never get married, and second of all, feet is number two. Feet. <laughs> so a non-physical, like a non-corporeal existence, is not going to do it for him because he, not gonna be it he for him. needs the fucking nasty feet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but but uh, from from Dax, I didn't like. I just thought about Dax for a minute, and I was like, well, fucking fine. What is this to her? God, if only she'd gone. I kind of I hope that I remembered it wrong and she just left. <laughs> that would have been great. Well, I wonder if they were like if if uh, her discontent on the set was widely enough known. Yeah, that people were like, "Oh, this is how it's going to go." Yeah, because otherwise, no one's ever fooled. I don't think it was that well known. No, I don't think anyone cared enough to look. Because I don't it. think it came to a head until like the sixth season, right? Yeah. Uh, he says the whole B plot is sort of nothing, mm-hmm. and I agree. Yeah. Not doing any work for sure. What about except for the um, Odo Kira? What about world building? Uh, Ben's a three mysteriously appearing planet, like Brigadoon style. He says, "Yeah, okay." You guys uh, were both on first, that. I don't even know what it is. I'm going to read. First, it look into a sex hollow sweet program. Don't like it. Gross. It's quark in there. Yeah, it's supposed to be gross. I, I do want to say this about that. Uh, Quark apparently otherwise had it fucking pegged for this guy because the gauzy curtains mm-hmm. and the fog and shit. She's wearing like a little pink teddy. Cranked until the moment he saw Quark's head pop up. That's right. So yeah, this is what this dude likes: Earth lingerie mm-hmm. and a bunch of curtains. <sighs> well, you know, it's good to know. Now I know what an alien wants to bone to. That's good. Yeah. Well, this particular one, mm-hmm. uh, I gave it a three also. So. Here's some things we got. The Bajoran Military Academy. Yeah, I got notes on that. Hollow imagers. Mm-hmm. Whatever the fuck they think a quantum matrix is this week. <laughs> yeah, the word, two words put together. And also, n- intersecting dimensions, some of which are non-corporeal. Mm-hmm. This comes up. They're like, oh, yeah. Here's the deal. We're from a dimension that intersects with yours. Mm-hmm. Do you want to come down and have breakfast? Everyone on the ship is like, yeah. They get down there and they're like, oh, yeah. In the other dimension, we are non-corporeal, which is why we're so hungry and horny right now. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, it all checks out. This is unremarkable in the Star Trek universe that there are intersecting dimensions in which you may not have physical existence. I almost... No- no one says dick about it. I almost expected Cisco to be like, oh, we met some other non-corporeal aliens. Do you guys know them? Do the wormhole um, aliens. I don't, I don't know what they're called. Should we do a baseball metaphor? <laughs> so let me tell you about time. Oh, you know about it. Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, you're not. It's not like that one. <laughs> okay, cool. Do you know my friend? My friend in the wormhole? I don't know his I, name. It's just fucking just on the other side of the Denorius belt. So <laughs> right. I don't know. Um... I think that says something about Star Trek that everyone is, no one is at all interested. Yeah. 
They just don't even care. And they could go. The, there is a possibility for these people who are theoretically explorers to the point where Cisco has convinced Starfleet God. to let him go violate the fucking airspace. God. Take their special warship and God. violate airspace to go do a planetary survey? Every part like of it. Like it's Jake's school project again? I mean, the hand-waving was so aggressive on it. Every part of it makes no sense. It's baffling to me. Um, but no but no one is interested in the pure scientific idea of going to... Exp- I guess they all have to rush back to the Alpha Quadrant to talk about how they fixed a fucking star. Yeah. People are going to want to know about it. And how now... Now they've got maybe fuck. Maybe their plan is to start sending Draylon two into this fucking dimension, <laughs> right? Hey, they fixed this star. Maybe they can do it again. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. O'Brien's got to get back there and write a fucking paper and finally become an officer. Oh. This has got to be worth a degree, right? Poor guy. <sighs> anyway, what did you give it for world building? Sorry, I'm salty. That's okay. This episode's very weird. Uh, so again, I led with still making incursions into the Delta Quadrant for filler episode reasons, I guess. <laughs> if if he had come on and just said, uh, Starfleet has agreed to let me be a pirate. <laughs> that would have been great. Or I've decided to take uh, the ship to the Delta Quadrant, to the Gamma Quadrant, and I'm not telling Starfleet. Either one of those make an equal amount of sense. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this bi-dimensional existence, whatever you want to call it, everything about that. Is Quark a video game programmer? How does he know how to make a hollow program? Is RPG Maker way better in the future? Uh, I mean, he's got to make one room. And like a sex lady and everything. I'm just, I don't know how. I mean, there's a specific tool to get to do the visual part. Mm -hmm. All he's got to write is her fuck script. Do you suppose he has to? Is the Cardassian computer as smart as the Starfleet computer? Can he just say, make a, make it a f- fucking sexy? That Holosuite can't be Cardassian equipment, right? Yeah, maybe it's as good as the one on the Enterprise where you can say, make a make a opponent capable of defeating Data and it makes an intelligent Moriarty or whatever. Uh, Tyrion says that he owns a Holosuite at home and Quirk thinks that's a little wild. Mm. This is some expensive off-the-shelf equipment, right? It must be. He bought this. He bought that Hall Suite setup from somebody, and it's probably the major investment in his bar. Oh yeah, I think it has to be. I mean, what else is it going to be? The replicator? That can't be as much. Yeah, I don't think the Cardassians put it there. Uh, so I assume it's just the same verbal interface. Make this thing sexy, and then the computer parses that and says, "Here you go." It's a horny lady. Um, Candora uh, Champagne. Um, God, that nasty little probe hole in the Defiance nose. Hate that thing. Um, I thought it wasn't really equipped for survey missions, but they still took it to the Gamma Quadrant for this shit. Yeah, again, no sense. Again, when there's f- no sense at all, it's the least sensible part of the episode it's, for sure. It's, but it, there's in this episode, a planet shifts between dimensions where people are real and where they're not real. <laughs> that's not the least believable part. Definitely the least believable part. Is. It's not even just that they're violating Dominion space. The Defiant is not meant for science, people. And there's no critical mission. This is a yeah. mission to do nothing. It's it's wild. Uh, the hollow imager. Everyone seems to know that you need those for the porno programs. Yep. I mean, Odo and Kira just start talking about it. The why he would be doing it. It's to make a sex program for her. That, by the way, 
That has to also be a pretty expensive piece of equipment. He must have had the idea that he was going to have to do custom programs or else he wouldn't own that, right? I think so. Um, Kira says people should apply to the Bajoran Military Academy if they want to know what it's like to work in ops. Did, um, did she go to the academy? When? Yes. It's pretty clear, right, that most of the resistance fighters were given, <laughs> let's say, honorary promotions. <laughs> yeah, I think she got, like, a, a, f- a phaser and a blanket, and then they it's, told her to go nuts. It's not. It's not clear at this point if she was even an important member of the resistance. Yeah. I think many times uh, they referred to her, maybe spitefully, as a minor operative. Yeah. She's got what seems to be a pretty important job, but I guess the Bajor... She's not a general or anything. No. Like, that military didn't exist. That's what I'm saying. Right? It seems like a really weird thing to say to somebody. So they made a bunch of these guys generals and shit. And who's teaching at the Bajoran Military Academy? I mean, Danny DeVito, probably. But who else? <laughs> he did that. Yeah. He did that movie where he taught at the Naval Academy, right? Yes. Or West Point, maybe. Maybe it was West Point. I don't remember. Yes. Yeah, I uh, I just think it's a weird thing to say. It's like if I it's like if I told someone to go get their fucking MBA if they want to do what I do. It's like I didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Like, why would I say that? That's a crazy thing to say to somebody. Um, I mean, there are backdoors into every job. Like a lot of people who do my job have CS degrees. Mm-hmm. I don't. I have a math degree because I got started in a weird program. Right. So it's like if you said if you want to know what it's like to work in my job. Go get your CS degree. And then yeah, be like, like, what else you would I tell someone? You didn't do that. Go back in time to when eBay was hiring people with saying. any scientific degree. It's like, she did not do that. That seems like a weird thing to yell at somebody. Right. If you want to do what I do, go to the academy like I didn't. Um, yeah. For me, it was only a two. Because uh, I feel like most of it was sex program related. <laughs> Most of the stuff that you thought was world building? Yeah. It was just questions about, how do they do that? I just feel like we're not going to have many of these uh, inter- interdimensional uh, alien encounters. Maybe I'm wrong. We might have them. But. Now, if there had been an aside where uh, they seem to have forgotten that ROM exists, but where Quark said to somebody, I mean, it's just leisure, sh- leisure suit Larry, but I put Kira's body in there. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. I don't know how to do any of this. That would have been pretty good. Uh, they didn't. Uh, maybe they did say Rom. Uh, Rom's mom is turning a hundred, so he had to go back to Ferenginar. <laughs> well, that won't work. <laughs> it's Quark's mom too. <laughs> uh, uh, characterization. Um, let's see what what did Ben have for that. Uh, Ben's a four. Odo works as an interesting wingman. Well, he was more like what's the opposite of a wingman? <laughs> no, he was not cool. He was not selling it. Yeah. Odo really no sold Kira. Yep. Uh, also, what is it? Because you're not trying to pick someone up; you're trying to make people leave you alone. I don't know what to call that. Oh yeah, that's true too. That's it a, is a reverse wig. It's man. a different kind of wig, man. Uh, it's a beard. There you go. Yes, a beard. Yes. Odo's her beard in this. Her heterosexual beard in this situation. Uh, Dax is afraid of heights. A good relationship built with Cisco, Dax, and Kira. Odo is why it was a four for him. Um, for me, it was only a three. Okay, so Kira likes her coffee just a bit too hot at first, and I get it. There's a, th- there's a thing where you gotta hold your coffee for a minute before you start drinking it. Okay, yes, but um, wrong character. Yeah, that is 
to me, that sounds like kind of a Dax thing, actually. Unless the point is that Kira is has been settled. She's now post-resistance for so long that she's trying out some normal shit. Yeah, we'd have to get more like, into her in this episode for if that was what they were trying to do. Like trying to have a philosophical take about the right way to drink coffee. <laughs> she's fancy now. Like a better Kira answer would be, maybe she has this preference, but a better Kira answer would be, I hadn't really thought about it. I just like it that way. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We didn't have time to think about how hot the coffee was in the camps. Or like, I don't know. I guess it makes me drink it slower. We had to use K-cups in the camps. But instead, she does give kind of a Folgers commercial monologue about it. Yeah. Odo can't be cool for a second. She pretended they were lovers to make a guy leave and he's all in his feelings. Oh, yeah. Um, Dax's spots go all the way down. In case she hasn't used that line before, I couldn't remember. I think this is where it comes from. Dax is wet for this guy because he hand-fed her some weird fruit. Uh, Cisco says he's never seen Dax do anything without thinking it through. I definitely think, at least later, it becomes part of her character in later years. That she's impulsive? That she's frivolous and reckless and impulsive. Yeah. Maybe this is the beginning of that? I feel like we've already seen it. When that initiate came, right? Yeah. It was all about how disorganized and weird she is. Anyway. Something like that. I don't know. Um, O'Brien is a prude and makes a real face when Dax remarks about her spots. Um. <laughs> O'Brien is the married dude who knows he's not going to get head later. <laughs> and so he's not excited about the weird sex energy there. That's right. Does nothing for him. Because he's like, first of all, he knows Keiko and he knows there's no rule like if it's in the Gamma Quadrant, it don't count. That's right. Yeah. With Keiko? No, that would never work. No, 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 no. So he's going to shit on this whole fucking thing. Yeah. Because he, one sec, he's been to some of these planets on TNG one fucking second down there. And he's like, ah, it's a fucking sex planet. That's right. I never got to go on sex planet missions when I was single. Yeah. I, sh- I should have gone on all the sex planet missions before I got married. The, uh, the, I said when I said goodbye to Keiko on DS. Oh shit, she's down on Bajor. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's probably even worse. <laughs> I've been jacking it to harp images on DS9 for the last two months. Now I'm on a fucking sex planet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, do the spots go all the way down? <laughs> Fuck you. That's good theory. But Irish. All of that, but Irish. Good theory corner right there. Um. Quark is still selling sex programs on the holodeck. Now he'll even sell a Kira sex program. He's not smooth in his schemes. Hey, he needs an office, right? He just always is breaking into files right at the bar. He's just literally at the bar. Just in front of Odo and the computer and everybody out there. He doesn't know yet that Odo has a camera that watches him. But he doesn't need a camera because he's just right in the bar. Well, I guess Odo could just become a glass or a Klingon chair or whatever <laughs> he, could, he fucking wants to He'd just to be anyway. sitting three tables over. He'd be able to see Often what was just happening. just a duffel bag. It's fucking wild. Uh, I got the impression Cisco was looking for an excuse to beam back to Defiant when he saw Dax walk up with her new man. And she's like, oh, yes. I- Oh, I'm going to go up to Defiant. He's like, oh, I, I have to go up there, too, for sure. I have business up there. Because he is very eager to go. Uh, Cisco and O'Brien seem to know Dax is getting railed down there. They make some knowing remarks about it. Avery Brooks tries his best to channel real emotion for this mid-season filler episode and sell this shit. Yep, he went for it. For me, he doesn't quite get there, but he's just light years ahead of Terry Farrell on this one. Um... Well, he was Spencer for hire, so... He was I mean, Hawk in the show Spencer for sure. hire. 
Well, I didn't. I've never seen an episode of it, and I kind of don't want to. So I remember. I definitely remember watching it out of curiosity as a kid after I'd already seen DS9. Obviously, when it was on randomly on like USA at 10 a.m. or something, as it would be. Yeah, it's just like, what the fuck is this show? Why is Cisco always in sunglasses? I think Terry Farrell was just like a minor model before she got this, right? Yeah, she did not done a lot of acting. We know this was the great vehicle that launched her career, though. Her great, she got Becker. Her great acting career. I mean, she, she. I don't know how long Becker ran, but multiple seasons. Oh yeah, I'm Ted Danson carried that shit through. She, she probably gets residuals. I mean, she was Terry Farrell of Deep Space Nine when she did Becker, so. I imagine she still gets checks. Someday we can talk about this, but I get the feeling that once you're in Star Trek, your life's kind of set anyway, because you can just do the fucking circuit forever. Go to the conventions. But I don't know if that's the same, like, when you leave the show because you're sick of... Oh, do you think they blackball you? Rick Berman or Michael Piller? I don't remember which. God, both, though, right? Just being just full-time creepy. Like, are you hired a tall, uh, skinny, (laughs) A-cup model, and you're going to pat her uniform out? Yep, like an asshole. And just constantly remark about it. If there's yeah. one thing we need to talk about every day, it's the size of the actress's breasts. Can we please, yep. let's make sure we bring that up. Number one in the agenda. Uh, yeah, so for anyway, it was a three for me. Anyway. Uh, I liked it a little more than you did. Okay. Uh, I gave it as many as five. So uh, there's a scene that we haven't talked about here where, uh, <laughs> and we don't see the beginning of it. We come in right at the end where Dax has clearly been telling Bashir about the great dude that she met down there and how she's going to move to that dimension so that they can mingle their energy together and come back here every 60 years and just rail each other like crazy. Yeah. yeah. And Bashir is, (laughs) he's just as nice as you can be about it. (laughs) He's like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he's a great guy. Great guy. Yeah. Well, good, good luck. We did it. We did the transporter. Um, so uh, Cisco and Bashir and Kira on that side, I thought were all good. Okay. Uh, Quark and Dax and Odo are average, but average is good for Dax. <laughs> on the whole, I think that uh, characterization is actually the strength of this episode. I think so it was I certainly it meant to be, because I don't yeah. think much happened. And I got some quick hitters. Do Did it. Ben write any? Uh, let's see. Uh, I think I'd rather I'd... watch Gene Kelly. There Just another go. Brigadoon reference. Um. Odo doesn't eat? Yeah. How How does Odo get energy? Mm. Like, I get that he turns into a liquid yeah. every 16 <clears throat> hours. Yes. And um, and he needs to do that to regenerate, like the way we sleep. Yes. But we also ingest energy right. by eating. Like, sleeping does not. It doesn't boost your Do energy. Do any of that yeah. for us. Right. We need, we must eat. We need fuel. Because of physics. Mm-hmm. So not only is Odo immortal, <laughs> Odo's a perpetual motion machine? Kinda, yeah. Is he solar powered? I don't think he can be. That changeling planet's dark as shit. Yeah, they can't see the sun from there. I don't think those guys photosynthesize. No. No. He must take in radiation somehow. It's a fucking throwaway line. Emitted radiation gets into him. She's just like, I know you don't have to eat. And then he's like, yeah, and it was like a weird, don't think about it, but it was a, all the food got all mingled with my bits. It's a weird mess. But like. Yeah. 
I guess that's a fun image they wanted to do, but it makes Odo physically impossible. Yet you know, another thing. Odo yeah. was already difficult, but like, why bring it out of the realm of possibility? Yeah. Uh, uh, when we saw the planet, I wrote most obvious matte painting yet. It's actually not. It's a still oh. photograph of some Thai jungle with a matte painting on top of part of it. And then I wrote getting real Shran vibes from Tyron. Oh, of course, it was Shran. That's why. He's like their favorite guy ever. Then we saw uh, Dural, who you said is a villain from Lost. Yeah, he was one of the bad guys but, on Lost. But to me, he looks like Sean Bean's brother from Lord of the Rings. Faramir? Oh, he does kind of have the same face. It's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that was bugging me the whole time. <laughs> the guy I can't stand because he's not Boromir? Yeah. Like, oh, he's like, oh, dad loved Boromir and didn't love me. Yeah, f- you know why, idiot. Be, so be, now, like, be like Boromir. Well, but I mean, Faramir wasn't a ring weirdo. Um, I'm sorry. Everyone's a ring weirdo. Everyone's a ring weirdo. That's all I'm saying. When you're around the ring, you're a ring weirdo. Anyway, a real chance for Faramir Captain of Gondor to show his quality. That's all I have to say <laughs> about that. Um, hey, here's my question for you, yeah. Matthew. Did Bashir lie to Jedzia about the transporter shit? Oh, it was a sabotage? Like, sabotage it. God, I hope or so. Or was everyone just wrong? Like, was he so cool because he knew that he did the transporter wrong and she wasn't going to be able to go? He's like, to oh, we're dimension? all going to miss you so much. Oh, boy. That's tough, huh? Oh, well. Oh. And then, like, there's a scene we don't see where she's still slumped against that fucking wall at the end. <laughs> and Bashir comes in like, hey, I heard about... What happened? 60 years, huh? I mean, uh, might as well not bother with that. You'd be guy. an old lady. You might even be in a different host in 60 years. That'd like, be I tough. And you're just going to have to get this guy out of your system. It's like, um, <laughs> you know what you need is a rebound. That's right. Anyway, um, uh, you, you know, you can uh, come sleep in my bunk bed anytime you want. Yeah. Bye. Just like before when we had that super cool sleepover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trustworthy. Bye. I would like to believe that happened. Uh, probably they just, they were just wrong about the transporter, huh? Yeah. I gave best actor to Cisco. I agree. Worst act, worst actor to, uh, let's climb a tree to roll. <laughs> He's the teacher from community now. Sees the day guy. Yeah, he is, uh, except that he's not that that particular God, actor I wish who, it was that guy. <laughs> who I love more than any actor. He is great. I have loved him since he said that's a bad, 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 <laughs> that's bad, amore. that's amore. <laughs> Yeah, and he, he is great in everything that you see him in, for sure. Uh, yeah. I had forgotten about Seize the Day Teacher, but um, <laughs> I, I should learn the name of that actor because he bull- he's fucking, he's a, uh, just a guarantee. Yeah. Uh, I got some. So your interpretation was that when Odo ate that food, it all intermingled with him or whatever? Yeah, I assumed so. That it was just like, it was just, he had to get, like... Oh, it's inside his body now. So there's just, he just has mashed up food in him. And at some point he's going to turn into a liquid and have to do something about it. Yeah. See, cause I, when I wasn't thinking about that, when he said it pour was pour himself through some cheesecloth, if he can get through it, <laughs> when he said it got messy, I thought he was a boomer. I thought he said he boomed. <laughs> no, he boomed. I thought he couldn't handle the food and he <laughs> pooped his pants. But the pooping his pants would be no different because his pants are part of him. That's true. You can't poop your pants. I guess. Yeah. Again, I wasn't thinking about and it the right pooping way. Pooping his pants is the same as it being in his 
<laughs> of the stomach cavity that he presumably invented for that That's right. he, exercise. Th- look, he can do all these other things. Why can't he make a working stomach that makes a poo or whatever? He could do it. Anyway. I guess. I mean, he could barely make a nose, so uh, whatever. I will say, even if you thought maybe there was a chance that Dex was going to go on this journey, the music the entire episode let me know it was going to be a real low-stakes chapter of DS9. Yeah. It was very light music. Um, I, honestly, I don't care. I think DS9 often works better when the stakes are low because they're so bad at high stakes. Could, and because they constantly have to explain why they don't bring in more people or starships or anything. God, I wish they well, would. I mean, they don't. They yeah. constantly fail to explain. I was going to say, I wish they would explain it. <laughs> Still just the five of you, huh? Uh, hmm. Well, like I said, he's the seize the day guy from Community, climbing trees and shit. They climbed six feet up for the great views. Yeah. They like it's literally really like barely climbed up. It was dumb, and it sucks that Dax is now afraid of heights because of a fucking throwaway line. She seemed fine when they were climbing along that cliff. <laughs> in uh, move, move Along Home, home. yeah. Uh, yeah, he's like, let's climb a tree. And she, her answer should have been, I'm 30. <laughs> That's right. Or however old Dax is supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, and now again, proven. Star Trek writers or, have never... I guess her answer could have been, don't you, don't you want to fuck? Yeah, like you said you were eager to fuck, so let's go do that. Um, we can even you do it here. a big game about my spots, but like, there's no one at this tree. Yeah, like, there's only 30 people in the whole village. Like, someone's gonna fucking wander by. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to do it here. By the way, if there's only 30 of us, how come these gardens are so well manicured? Who's doing this? Oh, and also, by the way, uh, we've been gone for 16 years. On, based on the vibes at first meal, I kind of don't care if anyone sees us fucking. <laughs> like, right. it seems like you guys would be cool. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Seriously, who fucking manicures those gardens like that? Dog, the whole planet just fucking came into existence. Beautiful? Like, I mean, they say that it's exactly as they were the last time they left it. So maybe uh, somebody they were at some point. Somebody's into gardening. Maybe it was this dude because his wife's dead. Oh, maybe. He's, yeah. And he was. We didn't get into it, but he was a fruit what's his hobby. He was a fruit expert for sure. That's true. Anyway, last note. It is proven Star Trek writers have never done a romance. Yeah. In real life, they've just never done one. Uh, we have one more this week. We do. The winner last week was TNG. Uh, this week we watched Booby Trap. Jordy is having a friend date that he thinks is a romance date on the holodeck. On the beach in a weird sweater and she's in a weird sweater. Yep. Uh, she. Made- uh, by the way, his outfit is not a sweater, and I want that shirt. Wait, what is that shirt then? It's a weird shirt with a lot of pleats in it, but it does not appear to have the texture of a sweater. Okay. Well, anyway, um, she makes it clear she does not want any. She'd rather not do uh, do any with him. Um, she doesn't make it clear enough because she's trying to be nice. <laughs> Boy, if she's not clear, I don't know what. I mean, she's pretty. She clear. had fucking. She had one Coco no no already. <laughs> she should have got to that beach and, and realized oh, what this no. is. Yeah, she did. Wait oh long. no, she did wait too long for sure. Yeah. Um, she she waited until he made the violin player appear, <sighs> and at that point, she must have been pretty embarrassed. Like, oh no, I let it get to this. Yeah. Or maybe she was fine, and then that happened, and then she wasn't fine anymore. Yeah. Maybe that did it. Maybe that's what ended it. Uh Wesley spends his time playing chess with a computer. By that I mean data. Um they talk about the debris outside. 
I mean, she must have been like, this dude's had two promotions in two years. He must be going somewhere. He's This guy is going somewhere. Like, I don't get it. I'm not attracted to him. But maybe I should see what the big deal is because he's got to be, he's the big deal. No one else on the ship has been promoted. If I turn him down, I mean, Worf, people are going to. did a dead man's boots into Yar's job, but this guy's had two promotions. If I turn him down, people are going to say that it's because I don't like handicapped people. Yep. So I got to say yes, at least. And then try to let him down easy, maybe. Um, and then she got there and discovered he's a wet fart. I don't know. Jordy kind of dead man boots his way in for all, all the dead engineer's jobs. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, but what happened to the actual chief engineer? Argyle? No. McIntyre? Was Argyle <laughs> actually a chief engineer? I don't know. Or was she an assistant chief engineer? Argyle was the guy, right? Wasn't McIntyre the lady? Argyle was definitely an assistant chief, okay. like Singh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Argyle was the lady. No, no, then I thought, we had no, Chief thought, Engineer Leland. I thought Argyle was either. the hairy dude, and McIntyre was the lady. Was it McIntyre? I remember her. I think her first. No, it was was she? Was it McDougal? Oh, McDougal, McDougal. Maybe McDougal. Something like that. Yeah, because Argyle was definitely the dude who hated Kaczynski. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep. Uh, that guy. That guy's name is Biff Yeager. So we'll <laughs> nice. Uh, anyway, yeah, whatever. Uh, you were talk- you're talking yeah, about yeah. a bad date, which is the first 30 seconds of the episode, so we could probably move Yeah, on. Wesley's playing chess with uh, Data in the 10-4. They're talking about the debris outside, the end of an ancient war. Uh, Jordy walks in all dejected, uh, and Wesley's like, ah, work's going to suck tomorrow now. <laughs> I don't want to be around Engineer. I don't want to be around Jordy. Um, Data gets called to the bridge. Um, well, okay. Uh, this, we're gonna be talking for another hour. Wesley knows about Jordy's date. Yeah, he does. He knows who it was with. Oh, yes, he does. He must know when it was. He knew exactly when it started. Jordy appear there. It's like it's only been forty-five minutes or something. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Let's see. They went to. The, they walked to the holodeck. He set it up. Yeah. Oh, they probably they probably had one fucking one drink. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, because he was bragging so all like, day about his big date with yeah, whatever. Jordy was talking Chrissy. about it a lot in engineering today, right? Yep. And, that's... and he's going to sit in ten forward and talk about it to a lot of more, a lot more people. Well, then we see him talk to Guinan for sure. Christy Henshaw can't show her fucking face in ten forward for a while, right? Because everyone there knows how pathetic Jordy was when he came in there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they're yeah, all going to yeah, be yeah. like, "Come on, why you do him like that?" He sat in there manufacturing sympathy. Like, when you look at Jordy, he is aggressively staring at the woman in the blue uniform next to him. That's, that is like, a fact. He is sitting at the bar. He has turned 90 degrees. <laughs> and he is exactly facing a woman who is sitting forward trying to drink her fucking drink. <laughs> like, he's waiting for her to turn and say, uh, how's it going? So he can say, I've been better. Yeah. Yes. Hey. I'm trying to get away from his date. You're you're keeping us on his date. Let's. Uh, Jordy's romantic life is the point of the whole <laughs> fucking episode. Apparently, I mean, it's not the point, but it's the main thrust of the episode. Uh, Data's called to the bridge because they detected a signal from an old alien battle cruiser from like a thousand years ago or whatever. Credits. Picard wants to go to the old ship. Riker argues with him, but Picard changes the subject to ships and bottles and gets his way. Yep. Uh, Picard and Worf beam to the ship and they find corpses of aliens who stayed at their post to the end. Uh, 
I should have done this A plot, B plot, because it's going to jump around. Jordy has relationship advice sessions with Guinan. Uh, Picard and company turn off the automated beacon on the old ship and find the last log entry from the captain of the cruiser, basically saying, my bad. Uh, what's the advice? I'm just I'm asking because it'll come up later. What's the advice that Guinan gives him? Is it stop trying so hard? Uh, yeah, she's he's like, well, she's like, well, you're talking to me just fine. And he's like, yeah, but I'm not trying to fucking show off for you, which is mean, by the way. And she's I'm not trying to get under your long dress. And she's like, exactly. And then I guess yeah. later when he's with a hologram, he won't try so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of reasons why he shouldn't, but that's <laughs> shit starts to go bad on Enterprise. Uh, energy drains kill their engines, and a powerful radiation field is emitted from the debris field that they're sitting in that threatens to kill everyone on board if they can't keep the shields up. Um, Jordy's trying to crack the problem in engineering when he comes across some old audio files that I guess he's just going to listen to, just from start to finish. Just turns them on. Um. It's from uh, Dr. Leah Brahms, who I guess was one of the designers of the Enterprise Warp systems. And he eventually goes to the holodeck and recreates her um, to help him solve this this problem. Um, he solves the first issue, something to do with dilithium crystals, but he can't work with this stone-faced bitch. So before he saves the ship by fixing the engines, he needs to, like, get to know her better. <laughs> so he... He creates a personality based on some talks she gave one time. Uh, he asks the computer to do it, I guess. And then he like alternately flirts and argues with her for a while. Uh, he starts to make some breakthroughs, but the computer cock blocks him and shuts her down due to energy reserves. Failing. Yep. Meanwhile, Riker suggests shooting a few asteroids for no good reason, and they do that. And it, But they feeds on the race. It makes everything worse. <laughs> I mean, it cuts four minutes off the time that, they're, that they'll be cool when the shields go down. It's really kind of not that big a deal, but it did suck. Um, Jordy gets his fantasy woman back, and she offers to cook for him, and she gives him a massage. And then she says she can fly the ship out of the asteroid field because she's capable of making adjustments before whatever force is acting against Enterprise can keep up. Right. But Jordy figures out that if they just fart a good enough fart out of the engines to get some speed going, they can manually st- manually steer out without any additional engine power. Uh, they don't have a choice, so they go for it. But first, uh, Picard has more to say about model ships. Um, then Picard takes the con and does some fancy shit and acts like it's no big deal and the ship is saved. Picard lets Riker shoot the debris field again so nobody else is snared. <laughs> and Jordy flirts some more with the hollow person and the show is over. Yeah. What uh, was the great premise of this show? Sometimes you have to turn it all off. Okay. Sorry, I'm doing some work here. <clears throat> Jordy's solution to the technical problem is the same as Guinan's advice to him about women. Oh, you're, you're trying. Right. You're trying too hard. This isn't something you can power through. You have to take it easy. Here's my problem with this take. It's not clear what real world problem this applies to. <laughs> That's right. Look, um, I know when my computer doesn't work and I can't get it to work, I just turn it off. Yeah, so as in the ultimate computer, there's some fucking hand-waving about how much do we trust the computers to do. There's even less of it in this than in ultimate computer. And at the end, Jordy's got simulations that are about equal in both scenarios. Right. He thinks that it's roughly the same odds. He's going to take a chance on humans. Mm Mm-hmm. Fine. It's not really about computers, honestly. Okay. So that's how I landed on my take. Um, And it fits both plots. 
It, well, you know that I attempt to tie both plots together whenever I, possible, I like that. I did in Meridian. Yeah. Um, they're presenting us both both things at the same episode, right? Uh, but it's not a strong take. It's a three for me. Okay. I mean, my take was, I guess there's no substitute for the power of the human mind, um, which you have refuted, and I like that you tied both of yours together. I had computers are excellent tools, but sometimes you just have to be the Picard. Yep. And fly out of there on your own. It kind of ends in the same place as that TOS episode, but without the associated hysteria, and nobody's worried about losing their jobs and shit. Yeah. Um, for me, that's not very... It's still nothing. It's it's uh, four for me, is what I had. Um, But Ben's up about a six here. Okay. So he says that the take here, and it's certainly an aspect of the episode... Uh, is the hell of war extends beyond the final shot. He, we've got a landmines. He thinks we're doing a landmines. It, yeah, it's related to... I mean, we've had some of these in the past, including last time we did this. Right. Um, the thing about that is... No one mentions it. Yeah. And they're very cavalier... Maybe because of the time, but they're very cavalier about this whole thing. It is implied, though I think not said explicitly, that both races ended at this battle. Yeah. And also that that debris is the debris of a planet and not like an asteroid belt that was always there. Ah. Like, that is Aurelius 9. It makes sense. I don't think we ever see anything else. And, that, you know, there's a throwaway line that neither side expected this to be the decisive conflict. Yeah. Like, this is a thing that got out of hand. And then it's all about the puzzle of how to get out and Jordy falling in love with his minuet. God, yeah, the fucking holodeck is a dangerous place to be. It's extremely dangerous. Again, he accidentally makes this happen by saying words in the holodeck. Also, he's desperate. There's that. He, does, he never says make her sultry. No. <laughs> he's not Riker. He's not trying to do this. No, but boy... When she pops up and she's so happy and, and she's nice. horny from the get go. She, I kind of didn't blame Jordy on this one. She puts her hands on him a lot and says she's gonna make. She's him. talking to him a lot and she's saying shit like, "Well, every time you, you look yeah. at the engines, you look you're at looking me. at me, and it's like I want you oh, in. Okay. I want you in my engines." Listen, I just had a real shitty date. Yep, and I was not feeling good about myself, and um. Yeah. This is a big turnaround for me. Uh, he gives it a six. He thinks this is about landmines. Uh, I think that although it comes up, it is unremarked upon. And yeah, I think Picard only mentioning that have we fallen into the same yes. fate as the captain of this vessel or whatever. And he sends Riker back to see if, because they knew what they were dealing with, if they had any better idea what the trap actually was. Right. Which allows them to discover that it's an aceton assimilator. Yeah. <sighs> Swinging around into execution. Yeah. Ben's Uh-oh. pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. I mean, no surprise because it's the fifth one we did, right? So yeah. it was um, this one or none of them. It was this one or none of them. Ben's an eight on execution. Whoa. Here. Uh, he says this is the first time they address dating in TNG. I mean,. Wesley had a date with uh, Ensign Dumont. Who was it? Oh, I think that's in Sarek, though. 
Oh fuck! That doesn't happen You're right, yet. That's later. He went on a date with that shapeshifter, that com- that chameleon lady, whatever her name was. I mean, she snuck into his quarters and he just fed her pudding. He didn't even get to second base. They went to the holodeck and stood on an asteroid. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know if there've been and, other dates. And he made a bunch of mistakes by telling her, "You can visit this place. You can even someday. You she, you'll go she to definitely could not. Someday you'll have the absolute freedom in your life to go everywhere. Yeah, it's like oh, cool. Uh. He thinks this episode is topical because of self-driving car questions in the news. But again, he thought this was about landmines. But I guess he also thinks it's about... Automation? Automation. Yeah. He says this one's a thinker and TNG is better than the other shows at this type of story. And I agree. Yeah. Uh, This is a slow-moving story. Yeah, there's a a ticking clock. But yeah, I mean, it it develops a little bit slow, yeah. Uh, and it is one that probably the other shows would have done worse. Uh, I don't think that's how radiation wants to kill you, even in the future. 26 minutes total. I disagree. I think that the damage that's done by radiation is largely dependent on the dose. And I don't think that Dr. Crusher meant they would be dead at minute 30. Because she specifically said past that point, there's nothing we can do. Yeah, they will eventually so I think it was die. about accumulating the, a fatal dose of radiation, which I do believe is actually how radiation works. Yeah. So it might have taken him a while to die after that, but beyond that point. All their fancy instruments the way, wouldn't have done anything. Although you She could didn't just... really explain what they were going to do Yeah, if it was 15 minutes, but that's fine. Um, I don't know. Why don't they all just get on the transporter and then beam back a past version of themselves that hasn't yeah, it seems been like they could do that. anyway? I mean, they probably don't all have patterns in the buffer. Well, they should do that. You'd think that would be something you could do then. It was a Sorry. cool timing device seeing parts of the Enterprise go dark progressively. Yeah, when they shut the ship down, it, it is a good look. Yeah. Um, good model. It's a good model. Yeah. It's a well-made model. It's like six feet long, I think, the shooting model in this season. Big enough to lay on top of and maybe pretend like you're having sex with. I guess so. I'm just. Do you think one of them didn't do that? Do you think one of the prop guys? Oh, no, almost Thank certainly. Thank you. Come on. So I, so maybe, I don't know if those shuttle bay doors open. <laughs> that's where that's where you put your thing, right there. That's where it goes. Yeah. That's where you do it. One of the three shuttle... They're all different sizes. One of the three shuttle bay doors open. One of them will fit your way. Yeah. Um, execution. Where are you on execution? Um, again, I thought it was weird that this happened the same week as the TOS one. Although, again, with less crying and hand-wringing and being a baby. Um, jo- yeah. Jordy is kind of gross. And I don't want to watch his romance programs anymore, though I did enjoy seeing uh, how he went about solving his technical problems. I, I kind of like it when I get to see them go through a process. Yeah. So he like looked up some files and there was an audio file and he listened to that for a little while. and He turned it into a hollow program and he went down there and he was working on that for a while. It does kind of clash with the ticking clock, though. It does. He took his time. I, I- I want to say that one thing that was disappointing about this was he went from looking at an image of the, let's say the crystal chamber, chamber, chamber yeah. on the screen. He wanted to go to, he said, I have yes. to get inside the ship. But and he doesn't. what he ended up was in a, room. in a room where there were two bigger <laughs> images on panes of glass of the dilithium chamber. <laughs> That's right. And it's like, I guess it's bigger. But it's not fundamentally different. No, because you could just go look at the one in your ship, like you're in and, engineering. And fucking... Right over there to his left was the half-built Enterprise. Yeah. Dever looks at it. He, he should have gone there and gone inside it. Yeah. Yes. Like he wanted No, to. he goes into someone's fucking cubicle. 
Yeah, he went into he went into drafting room five or whatever yep. at Utopia Planitia <laughs> instead of uh, computer replicate the dilithium chamber. I'm going to walk around in there. Maybe he was just about to leave and then that lady popped out and he's like, hey, yo, it could be be, again. He kind of accidentally created her. Right. Uh, Riker is so beef witted. I can't believe he's the same guy from Encounter at Farpoint. I mean, really, it's crazy. It's a big problem. And I think I started pointing that out in the early seasons. Like, oh, no, Riker was so on the fucking ball. Yeah, but we knew he was going to turn into this. It was like, oh, how are they going to do this? They don't know. He's just so stupid. We knew that when we got to Genesis and he was a big hulking ape (laughs) that we were going to be like, yeah. Okay, so he's mostly normal. He's the the least transformed one, right? Yeah. I mean, he literally is like, let's shoot the asteroids, let's shoot them. And you just go, obviously, great. Data says there's a possibility that they could absorb the energy. <laughs> Picard just goes, And Riker do it. doesn't fucking, like, one obvious pivot. Well, they probably can't absorb the explosion of a torpedo. Yeah. That's probably not the right kind of energy for them, right? Yeah. So let's shoot a torpedo. But I guess they were maybe they were too close. But you know what? They don't talk about it. No. So who knows? No, and Picard hears Data and just goes, now we're going to do Riker's thing. I'll go ahead and shoot it. He, listen, he's going to ride my ass all day if I don't let him shoot it. <laughs> um... Still would have been, I think, a little bit better if they were comfortable with the computer saving the day since he went through the trouble to create her and make her a personality and everything. But um, yeah, this was still a much better version of the TV. You know, then it would have been a kind of an exocomp about what what is life and God. You know how many points that's going to score. <laughs> Exocomps? It has yeah. it has the clearest premise. It's yeah, going to score. Oh, it's it's off the chart for premise, and Data has to make hard moral decisions. <laughs> yeah. and everyone has to deal with it i think what we will eventually find is that marjan's favorite episodes will work better on our rubric probably (laughs) the ones that have it taken who cares how they do with them um that's probably true anyway this was a four for me on execution uh i liked it one notch better i gave it as many as five okay um my big problem why didn't the permelians think of this Mm mm-hmm like, there's an opportunity here when Data is telling Picard that the Promelian technology is primitive for him to respond. Like, you can fix this problem by having Picard say that they were very proud of their technology and that they wouldn't abandon it even when it was their technology that killed them and it led to this sudden... Or something that would explain why they just fucking sat there and died and didn't figure out... Yeah. Oh, we just need to get going a little bit and then shut everything down. And yeah. then we'll just escape. Um, this episode had a lot of big music cues. Yes. Uh, also, I thought that the, the, there was a good tense mood that was maintained through pretty much all of the show. I would like, agree with that. Once you get back from credits. I, if it's not some of the stuff where Jordy's doing his, uh, romance, then yes, I, yes, the rest of it was. Yeah. And then I, w- it was nice to see a Jordy story, but it is a shame that they've made Jordy into a loser. <laughs> This is the beginning of the end of Jordy. Yeah, kind of. Now he's just going to be getting kidnapped and shot and shit. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Maybe the maybe that pack led. He's one. the O'Brien of this show, basically. Maybe the pack led one was the beginning of the end for Jordy. Yeah, kind of. Um, but I thought it was a five in terms of execution. Okay. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad either. Uh, world building. <clears throat> uh, Ben's a four. Uh, history books, and this is going to be in mine also. Uh, Enterprise has tens of thousands of light years on her. Uh, Leah Brahms had models of old Enterprises in her lab. 
uh, and also the little thrusters, like all mm. the visual effects of the ship getting out of there. We can see, we learn quite a bit about how the ship maneuvers. Yeah. So, uh, I am, that's all true. I'm kind of, I'm standard three on this one, really. Okay. Uh, Menthars and Permelians, Astral 5 Annex, Utopia Planitia, Acetom Assimilators, and that other stuff. Um, none of it is about what it's like to live in this universe. And they hand wave the computer talk, which would have taught us something about that. Right. Like, they're all uncomfortable with letting the computer get them out of there. But when they fly the ship, Wesley just enters coordinates. He pushes like five buttons. And the computer goes to them on its own. He doesn't keep his hand on the joystick or anything. The computer is keeping them alive every minute of every day. <laughs> they live in a spaceship. Relying on it, relying on it to jink them around and get them out of the thing is like, it doesn't feel like it would be a stretch for them. I mean, Data's a robot, people. And he's a he malfunctions and steals the ship all the time and they're comfortable <laughs> with it. Yeah. So, like, that was an area where I wanted more yeah. world building. Like, what's it like to live in that world? Why is this decision that they're faced with at the end different? I don't know. I agree. Uh, what did you think they did world building-wise? Also with three. Uh, Promillion Battlecruiser with a Lang Cycle engine. The Menthars were at the other guys. Um, the Cavus Techie maneuver? Is that what I heard? Yeah, they were the first to execute the Cavus Techie maneuver. Along with battle. the passive lure maneuver, menthar strategies. Yeah. Uh, those old audio files are very interactive. Like, Leah Brahms just takes over for the computer after he turns on the program. It's like interactive, it answers questions and stuff. I thought this was yeah, like an audio her book. Old audio diet logs yeah. of the construction. These are her professional logs. I thought it was an audio book, but it turns out it's an interactive program. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's Bird Box, everybody. That's right. Is uh, is this the first mention of Utopia Planitia at this point? It is, right? Oh, I bet you it came up in a throwaway line earlier. Start, it's definitely so, already on the plaque on the bridge, uh, but it might be the first time it's said out loud, maybe. Star Trek's most famous shipyards, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, But the Dilithium Crystal was designed in a separate place. The Dilithium Crystal Chamber, I mean. Uh, aceton assimilators, Enterprise engines have tens of thousands of light years on them. I guess we aren't counting that trip to that other galaxy. Yeah, I think that probably doesn't count. Okay. Uh, well, how, the, you're right. The, the, the other galaxy maybe ought to count, yeah, but I guess... I think it should count. How many tens know, of thousands? An airplane engine is uh, generally hours instead of miles. Yeah, right? Yeah. But the one where they went to the thought dimension, definitely. I don't think that's on the engines. That's pretty much all traveler power. Okay. All right. Um, in 2360s, there is something called fungili that people eat. That sounds... Uh, that's an alien <laughs> food, right? It's some kind of alien food. Uh, it was a three for me. Um, one thing that I neglected to mention that is actually somewhat interesting is uh, her... The ship, this ship is three or four years out of space dock. Mm -hmm. So her logs are older than that, and it's not clear exactly how much older. Right. Jordy proposes a modification to the engines, and she says it's already planned for the next class of starship. Boom. So you get a little bit of a glimpse into some timing things. Yeah, the development cycle of these, at least yeah. of the engines on these ships. Uh, 
Uh, in terms of characterization, Ben's a seven here. Oh, damn. He likes, uh, he likes Picard, his enthusiasm for the Promelians, etc. Mm-hmm. He likes Jordy's conversations with Guinan. Right. Um, Picard obviously thinks a lot of his own piloting skills. Jordy kisses that hologram. <laughs> that should be weird, but I guess he likes it anyway. Sure. He thinks that the love undertone sort of works, and he thinks it's because it's wholesome on one hand, but it it's hooked into Jordy's love of the Enterprise. Yeah, I wonder. Does he have that kind of Scotty thing where he's like... He has not expressed such an idea at this point. Where he will just point. do anything for this vessel. But it could just be because he doesn't run his mouth like Scotty. You know, he's not drunk all the time like Scotty, I think. It's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing to remember about Scotty is that he's also extremely horny for women who are too young for him. And he's a murderer. He's a murderer, oh, sorry, He right? is a murderer. He, he does murder women. I yeah, still think correct. for sure he did some murders down on he the hit his A woman made him hit his head, and now he murders women. <laughs> Oh, that episode is that might still be the wildest episode of all episodes. That could be the wildest. Um, for me, characterization was a. F- I'm gonna have a. F- I have five here. Um, beginning of the end of Jordy is a character. He goes to Guinan in for loving, uh, loving advice. He can't focus on the ship almost being dead because he's in his feelings about Christy. Then he definitely seems like an insano when Picard says to pass on his congratulations to the team. And Jordy makes a quip all smiling and shit in front of this lifeless hologram. <laughs> it was weird. Because she didn't have a personality yet at that point, And it was creepy. Uh, it's for sure in my quick hitters. Um, Jordy introduces his hollow lady to Picard the same way you would like say about a girl you're dating. Uh, this is Leah. She's a, a friend of mine. Like, just rude. Yeah. Uh, again, Wesley knows Jordy's going to be a bitch at work tomorrow because his date went bad. Um, Picard bones out about this old alien ship like he will someday do about the Curlin Nescus. <laughs> well, it's not <laughs> intact. I mean, it's Lang cycle fusion engines are intact. <laughs> he used to build ships and bottles. Uh, good small touches dialogue when his frustration leaks out that no yep. one else knows what he's talking about. Yeah, almost like he's an actual actor. Yep. Still quite boned out when he comes back on board from being on the ship, but he gets pretty embarrassed when he realizes he got got. Yeah. That he fell right into the trap. Uh, Picard's the one to fly them out because it's his responsibility, but, like, to make an irresponsible decision? I guess so, because uh, I think from all later evidence, it ought to be Riker. I have here written, I could do it, but Commander Riker's the man you want. Yep. That's, I think, what you should be doing. Uh, but okay. He has to learn some lessons that Wesley learned last season about command. Yeah. Uh, but he does pull some fancy ship pirouette shit out of the debris. So. Oh, God. He's, make, he's, he's making the same mistake that causes Troy to fail the bridge officer exam like five times. <laughs> That's right. She refuses to uh, send somebody in there to do their fucking job and maybe eat yep. one. Uh, Riker fights Picard about going to the alien ship. He doesn't know anything about ships and bottles. Uh, as always, Riker suggests shooting the unknown point in space, Worf mentions. He lived in a log cabin in Alaska. <laughs> the only thing he knows how to make is scrambled eggs because his home life was so shitty. Of course he didn't build ships in bottles. He he's didn't not have fancy. a bottle. Yeah, he's not fancy like Picard. Uh, he lived like Nelson in The Simpsons when Bart goes over to his house. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he did grow up that way. Um, 
let's see. O'Brien lied about playing with ships and bottles for brownie points. For sure. Um, why does Worf lie about never having built model ships? We saw him building a model ship in that earlier episode. He broke it and shoved everything into a drawer <laughs> okay. in a rage. But didn't it look like it was the first time he'd ever attempted it? He wasn't good at it, that's for sure. And he was very frustrated. And he was mad about not being good he at it. He hated it. He shoves all of it into a drawer. I loved that. Um, <laughs> yes, of course, it was good. Worf finds this corpse admirable. Um, yep. Kind of like Kevin Uxbridge. He liked that corpse, too. Um, Guinan is attracted to bald men because she was messed up once and a Picard was there to reshape her desires. Um, Data never learned about physics because he is extremely surprised by everything that happens when Picard is piloting the ship. Yeah, the slingshot maneuver that Picard does at the end should be maybe surprising to Riker. Is Troy on the bridge? <laughs> hey, was she in this? Hey, I don't remember her. Was she even in the episode? Yes. She was, because when Picard gets back from the ship, mm. and he's, like, still cranked, yeah, uh, he notices that she's got a huge shit-eating grin, and she says something like, it's just nice to see this side oh, of right. And he says, hey, I'm getting quite caught up in this. Yes. Oh, wait, that's a different episode. So, that's a different episode, but yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's uh, she is in this episode. It's kind of a throwaway, but there's nothing wrong with it as a throwaway. Yeah, it was um, it was a five for me. Uh, I liked it even one better. I gave it a six. Okay. Um, like Troy, I I really like Picard's enthusiasm for this old ship. Yeah, he's got um, cares like. This is what he wants his job to be, is discovering a cool old ship, like going to a, a thousand year old battleground and finding a cool old ship. It's there. definitely true that for him, finding a cool old ship is better than finding a cool new race. Like oh, he's, he's cool with first contact, but I think what he really loves is old contact. <laughs> yeah. Last contact. Uh, I thought that um, the ships and bottle stuff, there were some good Riker and O'Brien moments mm -hmm. uh, there. And I think uh, that Jordy is mostly good here. Again, in, a decent actor. Yes, this is what they... Well, but even even in the character, like I liked all of the work part. Okay. Jordy doing his job, right? The romance stuff was uh, tricky. Again, though, that hologram program is a trap. The computer did that to him. <laughs> they gotta get rid of the holodeck, right? It just has to be torn out, I think. It's... It's just a never-ending nightmare. Or strictly used for work purposes or something. Yeah. I guess. Jordy's trying to use it I for know, work. But I, I know this happened in this situation, but I just, I don't know. If you keep it there, it might make a person and it might it might, it might trap you. <laughs> well, here's the problem. It's not the computer. It's the whole computer. It's not just the hol holodeck. Because like you said, it starts when he's just listening to the audio logs. Yeah. The computer is doing that. Why is it doing it? He just asked if there were any. He asked if there were any fucking logs on the building of the dilithium chamber, and the computer's like written or audio logs. Yeah. And Jordy does make the mistake of saying audio logs instead of saying, "Well, that sounds like a fucking trap." <laughs> You're not gonna get me this time, computer. Uh, not, by the way, nice try. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking bitch. Um. So yeah. Uh. The, yeah. The hall. The hall that gets him. I have some quick hitters. Do it. I guess we should see what Ben's are since this was his pick of the week. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, hollow sweet massages are weird to watch. They definitely are. Didn't like it. Definitely agree. It was very weird. Uh, quick hitters. I loved Jordy's shirt on the beach and I could not in a million years explain why. Yeah, it was pretty ugly, but you know, sometimes things are ugly in a cool way, but it was distinctive. Mm -hmm. What is this class they all take where they learn about ship designs from dead races? Can you imagine? Because when they roll up on this Promelian battle cruiser, <laughs> everyone's a reminder, got something to say. The Promelians have been dead for a thousand years. <laughs> yep. Picard and Riker are both definitely like, that's a fucking Promelian bat. It's one of the most famous ships of a race that hasn't existed in a thousand years. I want the scene to actually be they roll up on it, they both look at it, they both look at each other, and then just start high fiving. Because <laughs> they are both so excited and they don't even need to explain to the other one why. Yeah. Like, uh, Picard knows that this fucking thing had Lang cycle fusion <laughs> engines. That's right. Uh, this is the equivalent of the class that every alien takes yeah. where they learn Earth history, right? Exactly correct. Just like your George Washington. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, O'Brien's an ass kisser. Yep. Uh, Jordy and his casual remarks in the holodeck. Yeah. He's got to be careful. He, he did not learn this lesson from Moriarty. No. What did Leah Brahms debate on at those caucuses? Was it the art of seduction? Why is her hologram so horny? With a 9% margin of error. What yeah. is that based on? How does the computer calculate that? You took an uh, audio log from one thing she did, and you can say that you can make her personality with a 9% margin of error? Well, no. There was the audio log, plus all those caucuses. Plus, the computer won't let him read her personal logs. But, but does, it'll use them. Does it use them? I think it does. Does it use them to do this? Well... Because that seems skanky. At least we find out when she comes back in many episodes that it was not correct and she's actually kind of a bee. Or, I mean, it just maybe it's just because she's married. And she's like... No, like, honestly, she doesn't she even might know have liked him if she hadn't walked in on the fucking program. No, nah, because she, she, she doesn't like him as soon as she gets there. She's like, you're the one who messed up my engines. It's like, oh, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's later. <clears throat> well, those engines are her. When you touch them, you're touching her. Um, hey, Picard immediately knows what's up when he sees Leah Brahms, right? God. He caught Jordy looking at Pornhub on a work computer. Just like when he walked in and found Riker with Minuet. Yeah. And read the room and went, I, uh, I should, I got work stuff. I gotta go do work stuff. Yeah, but like, this is, now is not the time. <laughs> yes. Right? He has a look on his face when he walks in. Well, there. again, Jordy is not smooth. He's like, oh, this is my, uh, this is my friend. My, fr my friend. Um... What's her name? Leah Leah Brahms, my friend. So, but then here's my question: Did he already know about Jordy's bad date? Everyone, did. I assume Wesley and Data weren't cool about it. Everyone knew. Well, you know, uh, um, Picard talked to Guinan about it for sure. Then I noticed the coincidence that this goes up against Ultimate Computer, and they touch on some of the same ideas. Yeah. Uh, and then this fucking drove me wild. Did you notice that? Uh, Enterprise is set to invert X. Oh, no. X, not Y. Why would you invert X? To confuse people? I, I think... So when there's an, there's an asteroid on the port, fire the port thruster. Hmm. That's fine. You fire the port thruster, it makes you go to starboard. But he pushes left on the D-pad <laughs> to make the ship go right. <laughs> now, I get it. It fires the port thruster. I know. He pushes left. That's it. fine. Yeah. Left is port. But like, hey, think about trying to fly that fucking ship that way. Uh, unless you have to learn it that way from the fucking beginning, because otherwise yeah. you're going to have a real problem. 
If I sat down in that control, like, I'd run right into a fucking asteroid. It's like when Grand Theft Auto switched from B to drive to, to the shoulder triggers. button. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, it was not easy for me to... Lo- in fact, I didn't learn it until they took out the ability to switch the control. Yeah, when you were like, forced. I think in four, I, I just switched it so that B was still drive. And then in five, I was finally like, well, I'm stuck with it now. Yeah. Hey, you couldn't just sit down on that like that. You'd have to know it. No, 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 no. Yeah. Anyway, Enterprise is set to invert X. Just thought you should know. No idea what's notice. up with Y. They didn't talk about Y. <laughs> they never we do. didn't see Y. They, in TNG, they don't talk about Y. But you have to imagine if invert X is on, Y's got to be off, right? Yeah, they probably don't invert Y. <laughs> just exactly wrong. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I had not noticed that. Again, I would have been like real fancy, like, I'll fucking do it. And then I would have sat down and flown right into an asteroid. <laughs> Just, all right, hold As on, we were heading the for left, the asteroid, push right, I'd be screaming who fucked with the controls. <laughs> who set this shit to invert X? <laughs> uh, did you have any more quick hitters? Nah. <laughs> I, got a, I got a few. Um, yeah, I bet. Why did Picard expect a ship of the Primillion type to have a bad bridge layout were they not spacefaring people with battle cruisers and everything <laughs> you'd expect it to have a clumsy layout Why? but it's elegant everything's where it should be Why? hold on what is an elegant layout and what's a clumsy one it was a space empire they were flying battleships around i think they knew they how to made, made a br- make a bridge they made this ship for generations he it's, said it's crazy that he said that um again i had a music note too what the hell is this music during this first energy loss scene it was blowing my mind um Picard said the name of the episode. Uh, yes. On Voyager, TP and Harry would have just put Dr. Brahms in a bikini. Oh, yeah. And, and just probably run train on her or whatever. Please. And the ship would have died, I presume, because they wouldn't have fixed the problem. For a second, I thought she was going to say, please call me Leah. Dr. Brahms was my father. <laughs> that would have been great. I thought that's where she was going. <laughs> Uh, it was gross to watch Jordy's weird fantasy where he's hella cool and manly. That was what that was about, right? He like had all the right things to say and he was arguing with her and he's like, nah, I'm right. I'm a man. Made me uncomfortable. Fuck, probably. Um, again, given the choice between Riker's advice and Data's, why take Riker's? Um, again, how come Jordy couldn't say, or doesn't say at some point, I could do it, but Commander Riker's the man you want. That's what I wanted to hear. Um, and nobody ever says the one thing I want them to say to Riker when he's like doing one-liners or just like narrating the action as he does when Picard's flying. No one ever just leans over to him and goes, you're getting fat. <laughs> yeah, I just want, it's true. It never happens. I want one person to just shut him down. <laughs> that's it. That's all I had. Oh, we man. did it. We did a long one, but we did it. Yeah, ended up running long, but it turns out I had a lot to say for no good reason. Uh, fifth place this week, 19 points. It's poor, but... That's not good, yeah. It's been going that way for a while. Voyager with Macrocosm. God, they suck so bad. Only one point better this week with 20 points. A rare a rare low score for uh, Deep Space Nine. Actually, Deep Space Nine's third season has not been going that well, has it? No, they like they did all the Dominion stuff, and now they're in filler fucking haven. It's never yeah. going to end. We're just filling it up. Anyway, 20 points, only good for fourth place. Uh, back up from the bottom spot last week, uh, TOS with the ultimate computer. Uh, third place with 28. That's below average. No one scored real high this week. I, I don't know what the numbers say. I was not. I had a hard time this week. 
No, we are six apart on this one, and that is uh, the big difference for this week. Yeah. Uh, in general, I was higher than you. I was higher than you in every single episode this week. Yeah, that's not that's uh, not super common. I don't know if I was just in a bad mood no. or what. But the six point difference in Ultimate Computer is significant because I have it as slightly above average, and you have it as bottom twenty five percent. Yeah. So. Second place this week. Uh, Ended up being my win after all of the points were adjusted. This is not how it was prior to, um, right? Prior to discussing it, uh, Enterprise with Anomaly, a total of thirty-two points. That is just over the average. The uh, the average, the mean, has dropped now to thirty point eight three. So thirty-two is pretty mediocre, but only one point higher. The winner this week, TNG with Booby Trap, thirty-three points. Uh, it's our lowest winner in some time, I think. It's not a very high score for a winner, for sure. Uh, it is TNG's 18th win. Okay. They're now two ahead of TOS. Uh, and, of course, they put on an extra five points uh, this week on top of TOS. So, uh, TNG has 18, TOS 16, DS9 13, Enterprise 4, Voyager 2. Been a while since either one of those claimed one. Yeah. And uh, TNG just seems to be widening the gap. Really? Yep, they're starting to pull ahead. But season three is when TNG started to get good, so this is not one of the better episodes of the season. Yeah. No, it was not. Um, so we know they're going to drop off again in six and seven. That's going to be a big opportunity for Deep Space Nine. Uh, next week. Yeah, what's next week? Week 54. We're watching Bread and Circuses. I know that one. We're watching The Enemy. I know that one, too. We're watching Defiant. I definitely know that one. Uh-oh. It's a wild one! Uh, we're watching Fair Trade. Don't know much about that, but nope. the thumbnail is another Talaxian. Oh, God, that's so, right. You were right. Yeah, that's not good. Explain how that guy showed up all of a sudden. Yeah. And uh, the Enterprise uh, episode we're watching next week is Extinction. Mm, I mean, it doesn't sound good. It sounds dark. It sounds like the odds. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, thanks for being patient, everybody. Um, next week will obviously be a mailbag. Send us some mail. Uh, that's uh, at Brother8 on the Twitter machine. Uh, you can go to Brother8.com, check out all the fancy spreadsheets of all the projects we've been working on, including this ongoing project. Um, and uh, you can even send us an email if you have, like, an audio clip you want to send or something. Um Anything else? I think that'll do. Thanks, everyone. Gone and done it. Bye, everybody. I think this is just regular life. I think I think Schmalz is crazy. <laughs> There's a heart in this thing or something. <laughs> that would be such like, a cool aside. Uh, you know, nothing about what he said makes sense. I bet this is just a fucking huge bug. Please subscribe.